it is a period of fear and uncertainty. Two dudes with too much time and nowhere to go began a podcast to examine films and escape the doom and gloom of the outside world. Discussions of pirates, superheroes, and seven evil exes had finally led them to review one of cinema's greatest achievements, Star Wars, an epic space opera that has captivated the entire planet. Perplexed on how to approach this topic, the dudes, Richard and Joe, set forth to record their journey and take listeners somewhere a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Welcome! Welcome, everyone, to a very special Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two movies, and, well, that's about it. I am Dude One, Richard. Dude Two, Joe. So, as I said, this is a very special episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. And why, why, why is it, why is it special, uh, Joe, Denny Dan? Normally on this program, we usually hold to our promise of only talking about two movies. Maybe three, like in the case of the Alexander Paddington episode where we talk about two Paddington films and Hamilton. I mean, we kind of talk about cats. So four. So, so, four. Four. <laughs> but, but I mean, as far as the main feature, dis- the main double feature discussion, it usually just pertains to two movies. Very true. This week we've thrown that convention down out the window because this is actually our 10th episode. You know, we started this whole podcast just because we've been wanting to do a podcast. We've uh, talked about it for a while and then it kind of took a pandemic for us to, you know, get into gear and get doing uh, get going and get recorded on a podcast and we've done 10 episodes now which is is kind of cool it's it's kind of a cool feeling you know that we put the work into it more or less and for the people that are listening at this point we appreciate that as well yes we we do we really do appreciate it uh it's always you know it's it's always nice to hear from people sometimes you know especially brian from idaho Shout out to Brian, and it's a little early, but shout out to him. Listen, Brian from Idaho is our number one fan, so we probably need to shout him out two more times in this episode. Let's be honest. Oh, for sure. I got I got one, uh, you know, right after the break and then at the end of the episode. Don't worry. We're, we got our bases covered. You can quote us on Brian. that. <laughs> <laughs> you can. You can. No, but we're not going to talk about two movies today. Not even three, four. We're not even just going to talk about movies. We're talking about a lot. We're, we're talking about a whole institution, a whole brand, a whole franchise, a movement, a religion for some people. What are we talking about today? We are, of course, talking about the Star Wars saga. Saga? Saga. Your preference. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> this is... <laughs> yeah, we actually... What's interesting with Star Wars was that obviously when we started you know, planning out episodes for this series. Star Wars was definitely something in the conversation, but it was always just a matter of how the hell would we do a Star Wars episode? Would we talk about the first Star Wars movie with another movie? Would we talk about, like, The Empire Strikes Back with another great sequel? Or Force Awakens with, like, another reboot or, you know, soft reboot of a franchise? 
but we kind of just decided that Star Wars really just deserves its own episode. Star Wars, at this point, has is just so much more than just a series of movies anyway. So, I mean, like as, as much as we... It would make sense to like pair this movie or that movie. It just at the end of the day, it just became this point where we were like, let's just let's just talk about Star Wars. And, <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, break our own rules, I guess, if we want to. It's it's our show. It just made sense ultimately. Plus, you know, we're huge Star Wars fans. We've we have a history of Star Wars. We had a lot of Star Wars experiences. Uh, we I you look at my walls where I'm in where I'm in right now. The only, there's only actually no, there's not even one wall that doesn't have something Star Wars on it. <laughs> and uh, I'm just looking at your room and I already know <laughs> there's Star Wars everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I I know for a fact uh this is not a a, a really, you know, great thing to say. I've definitely have spent thousands of dollars <laughs> on Star Wars in my lifetime. So the folks uh, whether it be George Lucas or Disney uh, they they are doing just fine as far as their Star Wars accounts. <laughs> you know, I have so much. I have a whole table. In fact, it that table extends to like another part of my man cave that is just Star Wars stuff. And even then, it, it expands outward. There's so many things. I have a huge poster of um, the Drew Struzan uh, poster of A New Hope in my man cave. You know, Star Wars. So Star Wars definitely you know means a lot to me and as i'm sure it does mean a lot to you i mean yeah i mean it's no i don't think i have anywhere near as much star wars as you do mostly because my walls are uh the the space is occupied by batman and stuff so but i have attempted to throw more star wars in there i have because as you know i have uh a whole jedi tunic in my closet um which you know we'll talk all about that later I i i would wear it but it gets hot, so no, <laughs> I'm not going to be wearing that right now. <laughs> um, I do have some figures, a couple of the comic books, and just, it's, it, like I said, it's nowhere near as much as you, but I definitely, you could, you walk in my, you walk in where I am and you just know exactly uh, how much Star Wars is in here. It's just all over the place. I imagine Star Wars was a big part of your childhood. You want to talk about when you sort of first became exposed to Star Wars and all that. No, I'm good. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> no, um so no, I'm sorry. I, I I have no I have not a serious bone in my body. Um funny enough, I didn't even watch the original trilogy of Star Wars till I was probably a teenager. Like like I've talked about it before on here. I didn't really watch a lot of old movies or older movies per se, unless like I had seen them when I was really young and I just like at that point I couldn't ascertain the difference between quote unquote modern movies versus classic movies, you know? So like I watched like Back to the Future and Wizard of Oz all the time, not thinking, Oh, this is an old movie, thinking, Oh, they must have made that like yesterday or something. But as I got older, like I was always interested in Star Wars and I have uh, it's like I know one of my cousins is really into Star Wars, um, but it was never really put in into like circulation of things in my life, especially because like my my parents aren't really like my dad's more of a Star Trek guy, uh, and my mom doesn't really like 
space movies as she says <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't really until uh they were making new ones like when the phantom menace was coming out in 99 i was nine years old and uh, i i was definitely kind of excited because that was like my first experience with anything new star wars related and it looked really cool you know you had uh liam neeson and uh ewan mcgregor as jedis and uh, you know, all these different alien species, and it looked different, but it, it looked really cool. Uh, of course, pod racing is always exciting to a nine-year-old. You're just like, what? Pod racing? Yeah. Of course. Um, but it would come to no surprise to you that uh, I, I believe I did see Phantom Menace in theaters, but I also believe I fell asleep. <laughs> That's a, it's a common thing that happens to me. I'm sorry. I predicted that, like... 20 seconds before you mentioned it honestly i was like he's gonna mention that he fell asleep if it and that's okay if it helps i don't even remember watching attack of the clones in theaters and i remember seeing revenge of the revenge of the sith and not falling asleep so okay. if that helps okay <laughs> if, i mean it, it doesn't matter to me ultimately because you've seen the movies multiple times now yeah, so. yeah you're not wrong um so that was really my first kind of experience with Star Wars. And also, like, on top of that, you know, as the the prequel movies were coming out, like, I was still interested in it. But, you know, because it was, like, something that there was it was somewhat, like, I, I guess, quote-unquote nerdy or, like, super popular, um, my stupidness was like, oh, it, like, everybody likes it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to check it out or, mm-hmm. or like, oh, it's, it's. You know, if I do like anything, I don't want to divulge anything because it's too nerdy or something. Like, very, very stupid, uh, <laughs> very uh, weird thought processes in that regard. But obviously, as time went on, I was like, I, I, I'm still interested. There's still a core part of me that is interested in Star Wars and wants to know more about Star Wars. So eventually, I did watch the original movies, and I, I thought, I was like, wow, why did it take me so long to see these? Like. Huh? Granted, I, 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 I admittedly have not seen any of the, uh, I guess, specialized versions. Or the despecialized, pardon me, this, the despecialized versions. But even though, like, watching the newer ones, you know, obviously they were changed to, quote-unquote, fit more into the prequel movies. Or to, like, enhance certain things that George Lucas wanted to enhance. Um, it was still, like, an amazing experience. You know, watching A New Hope. And, you know, seeing, like, the beginnings of Luke Skywalker and uh, going to Alderaan and realizing, oh, no, when Harrison Ford shows up as Han Solo. I mean, it's iconic. You know, no matter how many times they edit the the Greedo scene, whether it's Greedo now shoots first or McClunky in, more rec- <laughs> in the more recent uh, versions. I was going to say, there there is no unnecessary edit that can take away from... Harrison Ford, honestly, no, he is you, still he can't. Just he just can't. Perfect. It's just the swagger, the way he sits in the chair, the way he's just fiddling with like the thing on the wall as he's talking to Greedo, just and like like the classic misdirection as he's like unclipping his blaster from his holster. It's so good. And then even even like I don't know. This is my personal f- view on that. Uh, when he's like walking out of the cantina, he kind of walks stiffly. <laughs> a little bit but even that i'm like i don't care it's han solo he is awesome yeah. <laughs> so you're like heck yeah this is great but even after admittedly though even after watching the um the old ones like i was i still liked them and i obviously i ended up buying them but 
I still wasn't like deep into it at that point. Like I, but I was more open about you know, oh yeah, I like Star Wars. Now, um, with all this new Star Wars stuff coming out and kind of this like welcoming feeling that you get from all this new Star Wars stuff, like it or not, it's still it, it kind of it's like come check us out, come see all all the Star Wars related stuff. So I've just been like steeping myself more and more into it, and I'm I've I've probably I'm probably nowhere near as like some of the more hardcore fans, uh, people that are really into Star Wars, but um, I'm definitely getting there. So that's that's my Star Wars journey, really. Richard, a Star Wars story. It, it's it wouldn't be that good. It would it would be like an hour long, maybe a half hour long, and it would end on uh, oh perfect. It would end on me just like sitting in my chair watching Star Wars, itching my stomach, just like. <laughs> just yep star wars <laughs> i'm already buying the i'm already buying the popcorn to see it <laughs> but um that's more or less I, that's more or less how star wars kind of came into my life and where it went but what about you like were, are you more i i would say you're the, you're one of the more like traditional like you've had star wars i imagine from the get-go right some of my earliest memories so as you know, I'm a huge Disney kid. Oh, yeah. I was a huge Disney kid. And I had the sing-along song tapes. And one of the ones that they had was the, I think it was Disneyland Fun. And Disneyland Fun, I, I never, I didn't go to Disneyland till, for many years, till many years later. But it, had, it has, you know, some similar attractions, obviously, to Disney World. And one of the attractions that was shown on there was Star Tours. And, you know, so that was one of my earliest connections to star wars was not necessarily like luke han and leia but the peewee herman robot and the motion simulator there's nothing wrong with a peewee herman robot but as far as the movies go my earliest like sort of connections was the merchandising because i remember the merchandising for the phantom menace 1999 and i remember owning one of like the gungan like horses or whatever like two-legged things yeah push like it's back and move the legs i had that too you know and it was actually a well well-made toy honestly I, I mean the big thing with me with star wars is two people my my dad and my uncle uh my dad you know when he passed away left behind a huge wealth of vhs tapes among them the special editions of star wars so i grew up with the special editions okay of the star wars movies my uncle of course was a huge star wars fan i mean you know, he was a kid when Star Wars came out, you know, mm -hmm. so he got to see it a bunch of times and it was a big deal when he was a kid. He had the toys and everything. So I I used to hear stories about that all the time. He told me about like what Force Friday was when Phantom Menace came out because I have no, I didn't, wouldn't go to like a midnight toy thing as a kid. <laughs> as an adult, we totally would. <laughs> I know I did. <laughs> uh, and I remember the first movie he first star wars movie he took me to see was attack of the clones i think it was just like it wasn't like an opening night thing he had already seen it it was like a tuesday it was like one of his days where he was off from work or something so it was really cool and i remember getting a jango fett action figure at going to toys r us seeing their huge star wars section man that was awesome mm. going back to like the tapes that i was left behind there was a period of time there was easily a couple of years where like i had a one of those v those built-in vcrs in my tv so when I went to went to bed every night, I would usually watch one of the few things. The Indiana Jones movies or the first two Star Wars movies, meaning four, episodes four and five for us. I, and I wouldn't watch six for the longest time because I didn't want it to end. Because I knew if, if I had put on six, it was like, that's it. The story's done. done. It wraps up. 
That's it. That's it. I know people say, oh, the expand universe. I'm like, yeah, but really. And, and this is not to diminish the work of like the other media, but the movies are what matters really for the general public. And most of they're the main thing, you know, especially when you're a kid too, the movies are the big deal. So for a while I didn't watch return of the Jedi. I, th in fact, I don't think I watched return of the Jedi until after I saw revenge of the Sith. Oh, wow. Going back to Disneyland, it's a weird um, order of things, but when I went to Disney world, they of course have star tours. This was before that they made the changes to star tours where they have like randomized things and before they had C-3PO on there. And at night at Hollywood Studios, I used to get on Star Tours like four or five times in a row without a fast pass. Just hop on over and over and over and over and over again. I couldn't get enough of it. It was the same ride film every time. Like, because I mean, when I took you to Disney, you're used to like, oh, it's this is, oh, this is supposed to be a random film every time. Or like di different right. things. And it's like for this one, it was just the same thing. You would destroy the Death Star or whatever. And, uh, man, it never gets old when you, after you get off and you, uh, and, and uh, you hear the John Williams music. But one of my favorite stories is when the Star Tours guy was doing the safety check and he told everybody, may the force be with you because I won't be. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess my, my, my thing with Star Wars is like, for me, it's like a lot of it is like connecting with my, my, my dad, um, and connecting my uncle, you know, so Star Wars has always been a huge huge deal and i remember one of the biggest like movies when i was a kid was revenge of the sith and i was like 11 years old so fifth grade all of us were so excited for may 19th 2005 to the point where if any of us got a, a milk that said may 19th 2005 is the expiration or you sell by date we all got excited for that person and it was like the holy milk or whatever <laughs> and then there, there would be milk that was already expired and people would drink it anyway because it was like oh, it was the star wars that's it was that's the star devotion. wars milk but that's absolute devotion yeah yeah just so star wars is a huge uh huge part of my especially you know my uh my, my younger my younger years it was a huge deal and it continues to be a huge deal um huge deal now so with our our memories and stuff aside for this property right you know that's well documented into this i think we should talk about sort of the movies because the movies like i said they're they are the the big thing you know everybody might like the, vi the video games and all that stuff which we'll talk about the accessory stuff on, on the on the second half of this yes. but the movies we want to start with that yes star wars there are 11 movies as of this day uh in the future we can't answer that I just want to point out 11 live-action yes, movies. Yes, yes, yes. 11 live-action movies. Yeah. There's one, technically one, animated movie, which that's the Clone Wars movie, right? Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember. I don't know if they made, like... I know there was an Ewoks show and, like, a droids show, but those are, like, so, like, obscure... Just, like, In comparison random. to the rest of the canon. Um, But as far as... Like the live action, like the big ones. There's eleven movies. There's let's just I'm just gonna go in order. There is uh, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones. This is timeline. Yes, order, yes. Right? No, no, no. Because because as we know, Phantom Menace came out in 1977. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, Solo, a Star Wars story, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, uh, New Hope. Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, that's all of them. That's it. Yeah. Uh, all right, we're done. Good night, everybody. You know. <laughs> <laughs> 
What's your favorite one? My favorite one is the most cliche answer is The Empire Strikes Back. And The Empire Strikes Back, I say that because it is like when you look at the rest of the trilogy and even the rest of the series, like Empire Strikes Back is the one that set the standard for what a Star Wars movie is, even more so in some ways than A New Hope did. Because Empire Strikes Back, you have the parental relationship uh, dynamic, Mm -hmm. you know, which was established in that movie. Then you have like, I don't want to say darker, but maybe more, more emotional, more dramatic story that we would come become accustomed to and people would say oh this movie is the empire strikes back meaning it was like oh it's like probably the dark the quote-unquote darker one mm-hmm. that aside it is a beautiful looking movie for one i agree the script is really good and pardon the pun but light years ahead of the first film which is one of my favorite movies anyway you should have said parsecs <laughs> Par- i should i part whatever <laughs> We're not talking about Toy Story here. Come on. Still space. And it introduced us to some of the most interesting Star Wars characters. We had Yoda and Lando Calrissian. They're two excellent characters. And I love the planet Hoth. I love Cloud City. Dagobah's great. And uh, yeah, what's your favorite? You know, the typical answer, like you said, would probably be Empire. So, which is my answer. But just to subvert your expectations... Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh boy! Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a little bit controversial. My favorite one is probably the Last Jedi. And again, I understand more or less where people come from not enjoying it. They feel like it takes away. They're deconstructing. Luke Skywalker doesn't really feel like how he did when we met him in the original trilogy. You know, this it it does a lot of things that you you could see why it could irk uh, some of the more hardcore more class i guess more classic star wars fans maybe but first off i'm a massive fan of ryan johnson like i remember seeing looper in theaters and just thinking this is super creative as far as like time travel movies and even even though like the weird makeup effect of having (laughs) joseph gordon levitt look like bruce willis it is just like somewhat just weird it's still like it it works you're like I, I can get behind this. And so, like, hearing he was going to do a Star Wars movie was kind of exciting, obviously. Just, like, wow. Like, this would be really cool. And I liked the idea of going from one director to another. I kind of liked that, that that's what they were going to do with the new sequel movies. Obviously, that didn't play out exactly how they planned it. But it was just... It, it felt so different than some of the other Star Wars movies, but it still felt like Star Wars. And like you were saying about Empire, I think it's a very beautiful looking movie with incredible cinematography. The, the The set design and the way they use the special effects is incredible. I think Adam Driver gives an incredibly exceptional performance as Kylo Ren. Um, I think Mark Hamill, even, even if he himself did not entirely understand why Luke was the way he was in Last Jedi, he still gave probably one of the best performances I've ever seen him give on screen as that version of Luke. And even like his chemistry with Daisy Ridley was on point. I thought Daisy Ridley uh, did a lot better job in this one. And I thought she was more well-written in this one. And yeah, not everything in the movie is perfect. You know, there's a few things, but it all, it all amounts to the, to the greater theme and the greater narrative that the movie is trying to point out is that, you know, you learn from failure you know, obviously Kylo Ren, who's still more or less the ultimate bad guy, is saying, listen, let the past die, kill it if you have to. And then here comes Yoda going, no, 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 no. 
learn from failure embrace embrace your past but move forward smarter move forward with more knowledge the greatest teacher failure is that's bad yoda i'm so sorry frank oz (laughs) i'm so sorry um but it just it's 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 just different in a lot of ways but it also is very very star wars in a lot of ways um and just again just the look of it the performances overall i i genuinely love that movie yeah it was one of those last jedi is one of those films where it was definitely like the first time i saw it i i had mixed i had mixed feelings on it and it was one of those cases where the more the more i saw it the more i kind of thought about it the more I, my appreciation for it um my more my appreciation for it grew and one of the things I think about too with the Last Jedi is the the is rhyming mm-hmm. in Star Wars. Rhyming is a huge. I remember George Lucas saying in one of his one of the bonus features for something. You know, it's like poetry. It rhymes, and with Star in the case of Star Wars, that's very true because you know because you have like let's look at um, I don't know Phantom Menace and A New Hope. Uh, our young hero blows up a space station in both movies. You know. In Phantom Menace, Force in Phantom Menace, New Hope, and Force Awakens, the mentor character gets killed off. In the Last Jedi, especially the Last Jedi, you know that rhymes with Return of the Jedi, but also kind of, as we say, subverts it. You know, we we kill like the quote unquote Emperor figure. I even I even like I was telling you this earlier. I even liked uh, when I was watching Return of the Jedi how. Almost intentionally, Ryan Johnson mirrors the, the the end scene, Return of the Jedi, having Kylo Ren, who's essentially Kylo Ren when we meet, when we meet him. Essentially, his whole journey is to become a new Darth Vader, as they purposefully address in the Last Jedi. They say we we're looking for a new Darth Vader, and seeing as how you're his grandson, it just makes sense that you would be the new Vader, and um. So we we have the scene. He has Ray. Ray's pleading to him that you know he can be good. She sees the turmoil in him of becoming good, uh, or of the you know back and forth. Like you know, should he be good? Like he feels the pull to the light, as he says in the conflict. The, yes, thank you. Uh, if the scene played out more or less exactly like the movie, you know, her and Kylo Ren would have fought. Um, Snoke would have probably been killed because uh, he was torturing Ray. Uh, which still kind of happens, but it happens very differently, and and I like and it's more abrupt, and he he dies a lot sooner, and so you have that amazing scene, by the way, uh, where they team up and fight all the guards, but then, and this is where it changes. It turns out, guess what? Kylo Ren, yeah, he killed the bad guy. He saved the day in some way, but did he? Or is he now just taking the power for himself? Because he does at this point, he doesn't agree. He does what Darth Vader wanted to do, maybe to some degree, but he felt he couldn't do because he was too far gone. And he, like, he even says in Return of the Jedi, "I have to do what my master tells me." I think so. It's just, it's a nice, like, again, subvert, subverting of expectations that you know Kylo Ren would be put in that position of being the new Darth Vader, and instead he's just like, "No, I have other things I got to do, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna unleash my agenda." So it's like it rhymes, but it like rhymes in a different way and it has a new meaning which i liked very 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 true going off of the subversion thing i think one of the big appealing things about star wars especially when it first came out and the original trilogy was first starting to come out is that it takes place in this faraway galaxy long time ago you know the spiel and 
it is so strange, but something about it is so very familiar. Like, there's terms like Jedi, which basically is like a wizard knight, okay? But you also have terms like princess, um, you have, you have terms like princess, they call the, the Jedi an ancient religion in both The Last Jedi and A New Hope. Mm-hmm. As you pointed out in, uh... Empire Strikes Back, the the Han Solo says, I'll see you in hell, which may not make sense. Yeah, which throws you off a little bit. But but it helps ground some of this stuff in a somewhat believable reality, despite the fact that, you know, Han Solo's riding on this, like, fuzzy lizard thing. Right. But, like, you look at, like, not even just, like, the terms, but also, like, the design aesthetics of things. Like, you look at Obi-Wan, Kenobi's outfit. He looks like the, the classic wizard you know, type of archetype of character. Darth Vader looks like the fully armored, like a cyborg cyborg samurai. Of course, Princess Leia's a princess, but she's got the buns in her hair, which makes her very strange and otherworldly, you know. And of course, Han Solo has like, the dog is a co-pilot, but it's a a dude that, you know, it's just a giant (laughs) dog man. (laughs) Uh, It's just like, those things really help to make this so, so familiar, especially too, because a new hope people forget about this with a new hope. Like after the opening scene where like the ship gets attacked in a new hope, your main characters for like the next like 15, 20 minutes are a blue trash can. That's a Swiss army knife and a gold guy whose mouth doesn't move. You're, you're not, you're not wrong at all. And that, I'm fine with that too. I mean, I still remember, uh, I don't know if you ever saw this, but Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, when they were doing Paul, because they were filming out in the desert, uh, Simon uh, Nick Frost put on like a trash can and painted it blue, and then Simon Pegg like put on like all these like like hockey pads and painted himself gold, and they recreated that scene. But the difference being, Nick Frost actually said stead stuff, but it still kind of worked. <laughs> so I still watch that video every now and then; it's super funny. But yeah, those are the those are essentially the characters that we follow, and there's there's like you were saying, there's so many like iconic characters and iconic imagery in star wars like like I, like I, like i've said with about batman uh i believe in our superman batman episode you look at darth vader for example just his silhouette you know it's darth vader maybe you have that like kind of red hue behind him and you're like and you just hear don don <laughs> you know you know it's coming and then you get choked and you're like the <laughs> dead because you know when people die they say dead of course it there is a familiarity to it all because, um, like, you know, obviously there was clear influences from, like, samurai movies, like Kurosawa, and there was obviously, um, like, maybe a little bit of Flash Gordon in there. It is very much its own thing. It's very original, very distinct. Like, you know, it's like, it's just that slight tweak, a slight little little nudge, little little twist to make it stand out and make it interesting when you first see a lot of the stuff in Star Wars. Like you, you look at a lot, of, a lot of the scenes, and some of them are just like the the outer space, like the f- space fantasy version of X. So, like you look at the scene in A New Hope after they leave the Death Star and they have to fight the Tie Fighters, which is one of my favorite scenes in the whole franchise because it has that like air of like excitement and like the desperate escape, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is edited like a World War Two like dogfight film. It is. With, with it's just crazy too that this movie is only is only like forty something years old, A New Hope, but it is responsible for so much. I mean, I was saying this to you off camera. There is a time before Star Wars, and a time after, 
everything before and everything after that they they it's almost like I don't want to say that's everything, but a lot of big movies are either some sort of direct response or they were influenced by or the filmmakers grew up on or whatnot. Actually, it makes me think of this um, this video essay done by Browse Held High. It's not even a video essay, but it illustrates the point that Star Wars is so universal because it tells the story of Star Wars by using clips, audio, dialogue uh, from things made before and after Star Wars, but not Star Wars. And it tells the story of A New Hope. Definitely recommend it if you can find it. But it just shows you, like, again, all the influences. Like, it's so strange. Like you said, samurai films, World War II, uh, King Arthur mythology, yeah, which definitely plays so. into a little bit of, bit of the character of Luke. All of these things just... And and they form into this one, into this um, this one story. But one of the other interesting things too about A New Hope is that unlike a lot of these franchise starters, like A New Hope feels like a self-contained movie for the most part. It does. Like it. Like obviously, when you think of Star Wars these days, you think of like you know the the original trilogy, prequel trilogy, sequel trilogy, the Skywalker saga, or whatever. But you go back to that first one, and it. It starts and it ends. I mean, yeah, there's maybe a few little cliffhangers to possibly expand it. It is just that one story. You know, we, we see Luke, he meets Obi-Wan, Ben, as as we are introduced to him. He goes on his journey and it, it bookends on that nice wide shot of everyone just standing there all proud with that great uh, John Williams score in the background. And I mean, in all, for all intents and purposes, they could have just ended it there, but they didn't. They knew they knew this was huge, and it became huge, and and now it's now here we are today, doing a whole however long episode this is about it. What's interesting too is that a lot of us like when we think of like movie series, we like to say, oh, we want to have this director do all of these movies, or this director direct all of these movies. With Star Wars, Lucas directed the first one, and he had a rough time directing the first one it was a very stressful production right so for the other two films he had other other directors so he had Irvin Kirshner for Empire Strikes Back and uh, Richard Marquand for Return of the Jedi but with Richard Marquand he sort of had to come in and help with directing special effects sequences because Richard Marquand didn't have as much experience with that Lucas came in to help that is ultimately it's interesting too that this is George's vision with also the help of a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. But like it's just funny to think that the other two movies are not directed by him. They're directed by other filmmakers, you know. Yeah, you know, we we recognize George as, you know, the creator and he is. I mean, you know, he but at the same time, you know, it just, you know, I guess it further further illustrates that whole idea that film is collaborative effort. And mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like H.P. Lovecraft. You know, when you associate like the Cthulhu mythos, you you associate it with H.P. Lovecraft. But the truth of the matter is, a lot of the big stuff with the Cthulhu mythos was added after he died. Right. So a lot of the stuff that you know from the Cthulhu mythos, you know, yes, there's the book, The Call of Cthulhu, but all this all this other massive stuff that people know Cthulhu and know in the Cthulhu mythos came well after he was gone. So. You know, it's it is interesting to think that a lot of what we know and love about Star Wars maybe wasn't entirely done by George Lucas. So yeah, yeah, that's interesting. He's a good he's a good idea, man. But it was it was interesting with the original trilogy, especially when you compare it to the prequel trilogy, where he which had was people, all George, which was all George, 
And with the original movies, he had, there were people, some pretty smart people that worked with them and said, okay, let's reel in this, let's re-edit that, you know, that they needed to have some, you know, he, he was a young filmmaker at that time. He did American Graffiti, you know, and that was like his really big movie back before Star Wars. And that was how we got Star Star Wars. Like, I think Alan Ladd was just like, yeah, I don't get what you're doing, but you made American Graffiti, <laughs> so you must be doing something right. So let's let's have you do this. I feel like that has to be the case with, like, so many of those early directors, like, <laughs> you know. Well, that's the other thing, too, is this was sort of kind of the t- around-ish, like, the new Hollywood period, or a little, little yeah. after, you know, where the studio system was kind of I don't in shambles. So they were, uh, a lot of the cases, they were allowing, like, younger filmmakers or oddball people to start making movies and things. So people like, like, Stanley Kubrick and uh, Steven Spielberg, Martin, Scors- Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola. Coppola. Like, yeah. those people, you think you think about them, and they made some pretty incredible movies during that time period. And that was because the way Hollywood was is very different than what it was, you know, a couple decades prior. And then what it has become since then. With George, he he is the he is the you know the author in a lot of ways, but also there's a lot of other hands that get involved in that um, in that process. But I want to talk about too with in regards to Star Wars, John Williams' score because music is important in a lot of movies. This is one of those cases where you can't imagine Star Wars without that famous score. I just, I still remember seeing The Force Awakens in theaters. And right when the fanfare happens and you see that Star Wars logo, the entire theater just erupted. Just so many people just going, ah, just, it's just that like, get ready. You know, you get that nice, you know, long time ago, galaxy far, far away, get ready. And then you hear it and and it's just like, Star Wars. It's, it literally gets you so hyped and so excited just, just to hear that music and just to hear uh just the whole track too not even just the opening just the whole thing like da, 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 like the whole thing is so iconic and i mean john williams save for like a couple of the offshoots did every single skywalker movie and he even did the music for galaxy's edge and even the stuff that isn't done by him there's still obviously incredibly influenced by his music and they even like incorporate the music somehow like in Rogue One, Darth Vader shows up. You know, you still hear the the Imperial March, or um, uh, Solo. I don't really remember much of Solo. Well, Solo, he actually <laughs> he actually wrote a piece of music for Solo because he never gave Han Solo a specific theme in the original movie. That's right. Yeah. So actually. he wrote a specific piece of music, which you know, it, it's it's kind of neat that he even had a hand in in that score um, on some level as well. Just talking John Williams in general, I mean, the guy has made, just put a list down of, like, all the iconic scores that he's done. You know, even going well into movies that we grew, that, you know, came out when we were younger, like the Harry Potter franchise, you know, the, the, that music's very iconic. You know, the Superman is incredibly iconic. You know, like, DC has their big uh, convention uh, coming out, I think, tomorrow after this episode airs. The day this episode, oh, wow. the t- tomorrow of the day this episode airs. That's what I mean, just to specify. (laughs) And um, to advertise that, obviously, they used the John Williams Superman score. So, I mean, the guy guy has this, like, massive uh, catalog of these amazing, iconic scores. And, I mean, without a doubt, Star Wars is the top tier one. 
I mean, you know, I, I can guarantee you everybody listening to this episode all has Star Wars as their ringtone. It makes the whole experience Star Wars. It's like it's like the exclamation point at the end of the sentence. It's like um, it finishes it perfectly. And even if, again, even if you're not a fan of a particular installment, having that John Williams score is vital. And it still like is Star Wars and it's still exciting. And that's why I wanted to talk about John Williams, so I could bring us to the prequel trilogy, because many would say that the music in the prequels is the best part of that particular trilogy. I mean, just throwing out Duel of the Fates, that alone. I'm particularly fond of, uh, I think it was Across the Stars, which is in episode two, and that's a lovely theme yes, that, gets, that gets used. I, love that um, I have so many memories of playing the old Battlefront 2, and they play that music almost on loop. But, yeah, a lot of that music uh, is also iconic in its own right. The ba- Battle of the Heroes is very iconic. You know, but going to the prequels. Now, like we talked about, we were alive when Phantom Menace came out. It was the first star- new Star Wars movie to come out in yes. our lifetimes. And so, th- there, this was, pr- at that point, was probably the most anticipated movie of all time. I mean, we talked about Batman, how people went bought tickets to a movie just to see the trailer for for the new for that new movie. Yes, yes, yes. And they did the exact same thing for Phantom for uh, Phantom Menace. Like people would literally just go to the theater, be like, um, "So when uh, um, this might be a weird question, but <laughs> when when is that? Do you know when the Phantom Menace trailer will play in front of this? Do you know which movie? Maybe no. Um, does someone else know? and like you know same with batman i'm sure people are like breaking into like bus shelters just to steal star wars posters i mean you know it was like because at that point like star wars had become at least it was like the beginnings of star wars becoming like an institution like that like a movement like like as big as it is as big as it was going to be but you know there's that question of is george lucas going to make more is he going to make another star wars and i even think i saw somewhere that george was like you know, he had been a producer on a few other movies, like obviously like the Indiana Jones movies. He helped with those. And, you know, his company, uh, Lucasfilm, you know, made those uh, with Steven Spielberg. But he never himself directed any of them. And so uh, I think he had that kind of directing bug and he wanted to get back into doing uh, directing. And so what better avenue to go to return to than Star Wars, especially because, you know, from the get go, didn't he have like a nine film series like didn't he want it to be like nine movies anyway to begin with it's hard to say at least for me it's hard to say because it's one of those things where you probably have said oh well at this point i wanted this many movies that many movies and so many things he had to change with star wars it's actually kind of outrageous it worked out as well as it did uh i don't know if you ever saw this or read this but dark horse comics um actually before like the disney uh acquisition made uh took his original screenplay like the the rough draft screenplay and made a comic yeah. called The Star Wars, which is basically Lucas's original version of Star Wars. I remember seeing seeing that. I always wanted to check that out. It's I read the first few. Like you can definitely see some of the, like the more prequel influences. You know, there's even a point when like a younger character yells "Yippee," and you can't help but think of <laughs> Anakin Skywalker just like going "Yippee." <laughs> oh but so phantom menace it comes out and it made money but oof Uh, 
I still remember the end of. Did you ever see the movie Fanboys? Yes, I did. Yeah, I still remember like the whole the whole plot of that being that they wanted to watch the Phantom Menace, so they break into Skywalker Ranch to like get like to to see it before anybody else. And then, and then, like the movie, the the movie ends. Spoiler alert: the movie ends with them sitting in the theater, getting ready to watch it, and they're like, "What could go wrong?" And then it cuts to black. <laughs> You're like, "Wow, that was a bold statement." I will say, I you know I'm going to start off with a positive note. There are definitely some cool, awesome aspects of the Phantom Menace. Who doesn't love the the lightsaber duel at the end of the movie? You know, with Darth Maul who, at least at that point, was just, like, that really cool-looking horn-head dude from the first uh, of the of the prequel trilogy. Uh, I mean, Liam Neeson, I don't care what movie... Any movie he's in, I know I'm going to like at least him in it. It's because it's freaking Liam Neeson. Um, Ewan McGregor's always a good time. And uh, just, I guess, just from, like, the... the just the idea of, like, at that time, having a new Star Wars thing was probably cool. Just be like, oh, Star Wars, yay! Yeah. Like that like that initial feeling, but it was like striped gum. It was like a nice feeling for, like, a hot second, then just like... <laughs> but hey, you know, there there are objectively some cool things in The Force Awakens. Uh, Force Awakens, what? In The Phantom Menace. But ultimately, yeah, it's, uh... It's, yeah, it's not, it's not that great. Uh-oh. Uh, so yeah, Phantom Menace, but Phantom Menace, it has some neat things, but I, it also, I think suffers because it, it just doesn't have quite the excitement that the other ones do to a certain extent no. the characters are in some ways a bit more reserved and they're not as pop poppy or, or as, you know, exciting. They're not, they're not distinctive really. No, there's no character I point to where I'm like. You know, I went home really loving Han Solo, or uh, you know, you know what I mean. You really love go like right. oh, yeah, I love Han Solo, or like oh Luke, I can relate to him, and Obi Wan's so cool, and Darth Vader, oh great, he's he's great, he's so scary. This movie is just like oh oh no, but like the there's a red letter media video when they review Phantom Menace, and this is how they got famous, where they ask people to describe Star Wars characters without describing what they do. So with the, with the original trilogy characters, they aced it. It was perfect. The descriptions. Then Phantom Menace, and they were it was they they were like pulling their hair trying to figure out a <laughs> like, good. Like what do I say? They're like um, Qui Gon Jinn. He's stoic, I guess. You know, but I, I again I think this is one of those cases where it was just such a hyped movie at the time that it couldn't help but be disappointing for all of those people who waited sixteen years between. The, when Return of the Jedi came out and this movie came out, you know, I can't imagine that level of disappointment, you know, I, I really feel bad. And I remember watching one of the documentaries where someone said, I saw Phantom Menace 13 times just to confirm that, yes, it was that bad. <laughs> oh, that's, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's devotion or if that's just like, I'm so sorry, man. <laughs> you probably could have used that. For something better, I don't know. And now, and I'm not a huge fan of the prequels, but I think with, with this movie, you know, for a lot of Star Wars fans, like when we were younger, we just hey, we accepted it. It was Star Wars, you know. Yeah, like flashy lightsabers, like just people. You know, I still remember like going into school and seeing friends just like uh, picking up those like uh, like cheaper like collapsible lightsabers and just having fights in the middle of the hallway. Mm. You know, obviously, you know, don't do that, kids. It's dangerous and stupid, especially right now. 
Um, <laughs> but um, like they would they would just have lightsaber duels because like we're not talking about uh like Obi Wan Kenobi Qui Gon Jinn. We're just saying, oh dude, how awesome looking is Darth Maul? Or like, do you see that cool jump that Jar Jar Binks did when he went into the water? Oh, <laughs> so cool! <laughs> like, just you know, for for us, you know, we're I'm nine years old. You're what seven years old? Six, six, mm-hmm. six years old. All we care about is oh, flashing lights and oh, look, all the aliens are fun. You know, I don't know why we had an accent, but. <laughs> Going off of Phantom Menace, three years later, we got Attack of the Clones, Episode 2, which... I'm just going to tell you right now, Joey. I'm going to tell you right now. Mm. I don't like that movie. It's coarse. It's rough. It's irritating. And the plot doesn't go anywhere. (laughs) Boom! I think this is the... That's my letterbox review (laughs) for Attack of the Clones. You know, again, like we were saying with Phantom Menace, there are cool things in this movie. Yes, there are. (laughs) I'm agreeing with you. There totally are. I mean, but again, a lot of it, a lot of it is aesthetics, just like with the first one. I think the only real difference between the two is that, for me, Phantom Menace, nothing really happens that is... It just boring like there's nothing of note happens then an attack of the clones like they're just like it's just weird <laughs> and it just has like really off weird choices in it and the dialogue is just kind of like huh but there are some cool things you know uh i'll always like christopher lee and i like his lightsaber i like his name count duke who's a object- objectively cool name um, we get to see Yoda fight with a lightsaber for once, you know, which is, it's so, it's always interesting to see, like, a character you always know is, like, he's this kind of, like, older, like, cane, like, using, like, crotchety old man that's just really small, green, and adorable and awesome. He's my favorite character. I love Yoda. But, and then he just leaps into action with his lightsaber, and he's, like, kicking his butt, and you're like, yeah! Um, there's, uh, there's, there's a few, uh, pretty exciting moments, um, even it even objectively the whole like there's like a like a chase scene that looks like it was pulled out of like a cleaner version of uh Blade Runner or something. Like even that, like visually is kind of fun. I really like when Obi Wan is investigating stuff on Camino and he has to deal with Django yeah. Fett. I like like I said, the Yoda, which you know, before the special edition of Phantom Menace in twenty eleven, that was the first time we had seen CGI Yoda like for throughout most yes. of the movie. Throughout the whole movie, because he was used in a brief CGI moment in the in Phantom Menace, but he looks pretty good. And I was watching it uh, today, and it 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 aged pretty okay as far as like almost twenty year old CGI is concerned. I mean, the Colosseum scene, I love I love seeing like the weird creatures in the Colosseum and Gen- on Geonosis. You know, that's a lot of fun. Speaking on that note, you get to see uh, Samuel L. Jackson whip out his uh, his iconic purple lightsaber. Which is cool. I have a purple lightsaber myself, which I'll tell you more about later. So yeah, there's there are again just some objectively cool things, but there's again, it's just it, this movie makes weird choices, and the first one I gotta mention, Padme and Anakin. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how is how is a whiny, bratty, almost somewhat off-putting, uncomfortable like approach work for Padme to get her to like Anakin? I don't get it. <laughs> I just, I don't, uh, that's a typical problem I have with a lot of the Star Wars movies, admittedly. But that, 
just in that movie you're like how how did they get married at the end it makes no unless he like held a lightsaber to her and said marry me now and she was so afraid that she was like okay 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 yeah and uh, the the turn the turn his turn to the dark side in this is not very well uh, he doesn't go full dark side in in this like he doesn't become a sith but like his his moments of evil you know his moments of like the dark side and all that are kind of they're not they're not very well played in my opinion and i i think they could have done a much better job of handling that stuff i also just think too this is attack of the clones right the clone wars are a huge part of you know, I mean, at least we thought of it as a huge part because Obi-Wan mentions it. Yes. Therefore, if, some, if somebody mentions it, it gets a thousand zillion thing um, on, thousand zillion worded thing on Wikipedia or whatever. So the Clone Wars start at the tail end of your movie, of your second movie of your trilogy. Yeah. And then when you get to the third one, it's already almost over. Again, what? Star Wars, <laughs> like, it, it does that thing where it sort of just drops you in the middle of something. But even then, I feel like we could have used more, uh, better context for the Clone Wars and how it impacted them. Again, we got stuff like that in the other media, which we'll get to later, but I feel like the movie should have made that a, a better a better point. But uh, moving on from Attack of the Clones, because I, I don't want to talk about that anymore revenge of the sith is it is it is it big is, is it because you you think it's coarse and rough <laughs> it, it's rough to sit through i'll say that oh uh, revenge, revenge of, the sith, of the sith this is this is the one everyone dubs the good sequel the the good um prequel excuse me quote unquote the the good one in the the prequel trilogy i'd agree with that more or less i feel like it like the other ones I think the the thing that makes it stand out for me is that, like the other ones, aesthetically it has a lot of cool things in it. You know, the, obviously it has a lot of iconic lightsaber battles, a lot of uh, cool moments here and there. From a personal note, I, I think Ewan McGregor looks the best in this one, as opposed to like his Jesus look from from Attack of the Clones and his Padawan look from uh, from Phantom Menace. So he just, I the beard works. The beard is beautiful. If you and McGregor just have a beard for every movie, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. But I think the difference is, if for this one, it's the first movie that feels like something is happening worth watching. It feels like you know this this particular movie because obviously this is the movie where you know stuff goes down. He he uh, he takes up the red lightsaber metaphorically, and he becomes Darth Vader. At the at the tail end of the movie, spoilers, but it just it just feels like not to say that everything that happens in Revenge of the Sith is is interesting or even good, but at least something feels like it's happening that's worth noting in this movie, and even some of it is interesting. So that's where, that's my take on it. Yeah, I mean, I think this one, I, I guess the best way to describe it for me is that it has more of a Star Warsy feel. When compared to the other ones, because the opening battle scene, the battle over Coruscant, is still a lot of fun, and still feels the closest. I mean, because the other ones, I feel like they kind of had very drab, kind of like very slow openings, and they just kind of like happen. A lot of dialogue, a lot of just throws you into the action, throws you into the action, and it's very, very. It's, it can be pretty exciting. One of the other things I, I got, uh, Ian, Ian McDermott as Palpatine, as the Emperor, as Darth Sidious, really is the best part of these prequels, I think, as far as acting is c concerned, especially in Revenge of the Sith. No, oh, no, he is. 
funny enough, I didn't even I didn't even know like when I first because I obviously I watched the prequels first. I had no clue that he was Palpatine in Return of the Jedi. Right. Because I thought that was just like a like a uh, like a one of the special edition like edits that they made to put him in. Because I thought it was a different actor the whole time, mm-hmm. and then he shows up in uh, in the uh, the prequel movies, and you're like, huh? That's interesting. So I thought that was kind of a I thought that was kind of a cool thing to learn uh, on that note. But he. He definitely, you know, you can definitely tell that Lucas likes to write for uh, for Palpatine. He has some of the best, more he has some of the best dialogue, some of the better like moments, and of course, Ian McDermott just delivers the lines wonderfully. Like, I I, I, st- I can probably tell you how like there's so many people that still quote the Darth Plagueis thing to, to me. They're like, when are they gonna mention more about him? I want to know. Who knows? Maybe they will. That he, I do agree with that. He's he's probably more like yeah. He's he's probably the best aspect of not just Revenge of the Sith, but the whole the whole of the prequel trilogy. But that that scene though, uh, speaking of the Darth Plagueis scene, like does two things. One, it helps expand the mythos of Star Wars. Like it gives Star Wars more of a lore than just oh the Jedi are good, the Sith are bad. This is actually like actual like in, really interesting backstory. That opera scene is really interesting, but also. One of the big aspects of the prequel movies that needs to be talked about, the memes. There are so <laughs> many prequel memes. <laughs> you have to understand the age of people who grew up with the with the prequels. You know, mm-hmm. like, maybe older fans didn't love the prequels, people who had seen the original trilogy. But people my age, they really love that prequel aesthetic. And oh, I, they're, I, make, they're I, making oh. memes left and right. <laughs> but, like, have you heard about, and they, they'll, like, insert, like, something else that's not Darth Plagueis or whatever. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to just be straight up. I'm so out of the loop when it comes to just memes in general. <laughs> Just like I see a few of them every now and then, and you know, obviously some of them are funny. But then I'll see like a random one. I'll be like, I have no clue what that. Like I remember when Joker came out, and there was that whole like society thing, and he says society, and everyone's like, Oh my god, he said. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> what is so funny? I don't know what's happening. Maybe it's just I'm getting old. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I mean, there's not much else to say uh, except like the meme culture. For the prequels, that's that's a very big part of the enjoyment. Where people are like, you know what? Even though the movies are terrible, there's there's still some good memes that have come out out of the out of the prequels. Like I like I quoted the the, the whole sand line. I know I've seen some memes of the you know the the iconic now or infamous whatever you want to say. I'm going to say iconic because it's just it just is uh, the sand line that uh, Hayden Christensen has in Attack of the Clones. But it just you know that's just our generation really. Mm-hmm. You know, we we grew up with computers and the internet and Photoshop, so it's just it's just natural that that's what's gonna happen. I feel like the, the movies are. I will say, as someone who doesn't know much or is in any way steeped in the world of memes, I can easily see why it's a memeable series of movies. The the prequels, you know, they concluded those movies in two thousand uh, two thousand five. Then we have, of course, had the Clone Wars movie and TV show which we'll get to in the other half. And this is where a good chunk of our conversation is going to lead. In 2012, Disney bought Lucasfilm, which meant they bought Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what that's ultimately what they were buying. You know, obviously, you know, I know you talk about, like, oh, Indiana Jones, and, you know, obviously they have one planned at, at this moment. 
that with James Mangold, right? Yeah. So far. But the main thing they obviously wanted was Star Wars. And you know what the weird thing is? Mm. I don't know how people feel about me saying this, but Star Wars feels like it kind of fits with Disney to some degree. Maybe it's because it is kind of like a fantasy, but it's like, you know, science fiction. You know, I'm not saying like content wise or maybe like, you know, as far as like what happens in the movies, but just like you look at Star Wars and it kind of, I don't know, to me, it just kind of feels like it was it kind of a good fit. It also helps too that Disney and Lucasfilm have collaborated on a lot of theme park stuff. Even before Galaxy's Edge, we had Star Tours, we had the Indiana Jones Adventure, the Indiana Jones Stuntacular. That was already a partnership that was sort of there, just maybe not too much in the realm of movies. And with um, with that deal, to me, it also it also made sense too because um, again, like like you were saying, you know, Star Wars does have that you know, sort of, like, fantasy quality about it. I mean, I think about Luke Skywalker, especially in A New Hope, and he does make me think of a Disney princess or a Disney protagonist. I mean, no, I mean, you know, he could be a, he could be a, we don't know. Hey, it's 2020. Anything's possible. For sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I agree. He does, he feels like a, like, he feels, like, it's kind of funny because, like, I remember, because um, I recently watched Rebels, and I remember watching Rebels. Granted, it's a post-Disney acquisition show. But the whole time watching Rebels and seeing Ezra Bridger's character, I kept thinking of Aladdin. In a way, like, I can easily see, like, Luke Skywalker, like, being a Disney character. You know, he is plucky. He's he's hopeful. He's optimistic. You know? I mean, he doesn't wear, like, bright, incredibly loud, like, single-tone shirts that you see on, like, Disney Channel a lot. <laughs> Disney owns Lucasfilm, so what does that mean? Well, they want to get started production on a Star Wars movie, and just three years after they acquired Lucasfilm, they released their first film, which was Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. Oh yeah. J.J. Abrams, bringing it on, coming on in, uh, whole new story, whole new era, and... Um, you know what? It's a good time. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw The Force Awakens. It was that it was thir- Thursday night, like open, you know, s- opening or whatever. Eight four, I think eight forty five screening, and just watching it like beginning to end because I was so excited to see a new Star Wars movie, and mm-hmm. it was it did what it wanted to do perfectly. It emulated the feel of the original films while introducing us to likable and compelling characters. I agree. And giving us some of our old friends back and doing so in maybe in a slightly remixed way. It might feel a little familiar in places, but it's a lot of fun. I saw it four times in theaters and a few of those times I was in the front row for three, for 3d screenings and my neck was like up, Looking at the screen. Listen, front I didn't row. Care. I was having so much fun. <laughs> front row is bad enough without having the 3D aspect because, <laughs> like, you're already like looking up um, Oscar Isaac's nostrils. Now he's now his nostrils are like coming at you. So <laughs> I saw Force Awakens. Funny enough, um, I was like I like I was saying earlier. You know, when the when the new ones were coming out, that's when I was like, okay, I'm now I'm gonna like screw it. I'm gonna get into this. I want to get into Star Wars. And right. So I remember going to Force Friday 
uh, prior and getting, uh, like, not having known, like, the Star Wars experience and not knowing that there were people, like, literally, like, those, like, uh, those people that buy, like, eight copies of the same figure to sell it on eBay for, like, $85, you know, because that makes sense to sell it for that much, but, you know, whatever. Um, and so, like, I was really getting into Star Wars that time, and I, I, I don't know if I even, I don't think I even, um, like, got my ticket prior. I don't think, like, I had a ticket to go, like, I bought my ticket, like, days prior to go see it, or, like, pre-order the ticket or whatever you want to call it. I don't uh-huh. know. And, because I was, uh, I did I was working at a video store, and I didn't really know when was appropriate, because the schedule just kind of came out, and then you just found out what days you worked. So I didn't have, like, a like a strict particular, like, schedule. Like, I didn't know, like, okay, I'm working this day, this day, this day. So I didn't bother to buy a ticket prior. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was so lucky, though, because when I went to my theater... And I bought a ticket. There were still tickets available. Granted, I had to sit all the way up at the very top in the very like corner of the theater in the biggest theater in the room. But I didn't care. You know, I got to see the whole picture. Uh, the The theater I went to had collectible 3D glasses, which is kind of cool. Ooh, like they had like like, nice. like a stormtrooper set. I might still have them somewhere. Then uh, after I saw it, because I knew I wasn't working that day, I went because uh, my work was still open. Uh, I went and. Uh, to visit my manager, or he wasn't the manager at the time, but I went to visit my friend Aaron, who uh, is a massive Star Wars fan, and I wanted to gloat, because I knew he had to work, because <laughs> I'm that kind of guy. Oh. I walked out, I was like, guess what I saw? And he goes, shut up. <laughs> Shush. Be quiet. <laughs> uh, 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 but um, oh. he got to see it, obviously. and um, Well, yeah. But uh, I, I do agree with what you were saying. It, it was... First off, it's just very entertaining. It's it's a fun yeah. it's a fun movie. Um, you get that kind of like that classic Star Wars feeling again. It feels more in line. You get the practical effects, which was I know was a big conversation, uh, which is like you know original versus prequel. Um, so we got a, little, a lot more practical effects, which is really cool. More puppets and more makeup and everything. Um, more dynamic characters. You know, uh, Finn, uh, John Boyega, clearly having a blast playing that character like he, he it was so infectious seeing his performance um oscar isaac who was kind of on the rise at that point is still kind of he's still like i still get excited when i see him in movies playing a character like yeah kind of han solo-esque but still like kind of his own thing and then of course ray you know obviously i'm sure most people just fell in love with daisy ridley like wow she's mysterious she's kind of She's not necessarily, like, plucky or overtly optimistic because she's alone. She's kind of, you know, she's she's a little bit different, so she's not entirely Luke. You know what I mean? Or, like, entirely Leia. Luke at least had a loving family yeah. to support him, even if it wasn't his biological parents. You know, you had no doubt that uncle, uh, uncle, his aunt and uncle loved him. Mm-hmm. You know, Ray isn't given that sort of thing. Like, her backstory... You could argue. I've heard somebody say this before, but you could argue she has like a villain backstory in a lot of a ways. A little bit, you know. That's when you not, think about wrong. her character, you know, like she, she was different enough, and she was she was tough because she had to, she was a survivor. She was a scavenger. She had to be tough. She had she had to be able to live on her own. And as we saw in that one shot, she's been on her own for quite some time. <laughs> so you know she she's used that time to like you know learn to survive and develop different skills and be able to do different things and so she she's very capable of taking care of herself but she's lonely clearly 
And we have to mention, of course, perhaps uh, uh, the favorite as far as like the new characters in a lot of ways, uh, Kylo Ren. I was gonna say, I think he's isn't he? I think it's the favorite amongst the dudes. I would like to think. Um, I it depends because I know some people with Force Awakens, their favorite would be like Finn. No, us because I. Oh, oh, for uh, oh the dudes. Yes, the dudes. Oh, you, oh, you meant just the brand. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I would the say dudes. Kylo Ren. I would say Kylo Ren, uh, especially with the the sequel to the Force Awakens, the Last Jedi, is probably the most interesting Star Wars character we've had in the movie since Yoda. I would agree, hundred percent. And you got to give it to Adam Driver. Yes, for sure. As or as I as I like to affectionately call him, award winning actor Adam Driver. <laughs> Like Absolutely. the man, the man is powerhouse. Like his performance, like I, I cannot tell you any movie I've seen him in where I was like, "What are you doing?" Like every movie I've seen him in, he's incredible. Absolutely. Like again, I know I mentioned this a lot, but even like in a movie if, that he's in that I'm not like necessarily into, he's still like top tier amazing. And. I know, and I, I I remember we were saying, like, when we first saw the movie that, I think you said this, that he almost feels like Anakin Skywalker done right. I thought that was, like, a, that was an interesting take on that. He does feel like if the Anakin Skywalker character was done correctly, in a way. So, For- Force Awakens, you know, it comes out, is a gi- one of the biggest movies ever made, and is still the highest grossing domestic movie of all time. And it's also interesting, too, because this is also one of those movies where, like, like shortly after it's released, it fe- release it fell under a lot of criticism. I'm not saying all of it was unjust, but it was interesting how quickly some of it came. Like, after Max Landis had said Ray was a Mary Sue, boom, everybody sort of, like, started just spouting that and started to use Mary Sue. Well, you know what? Max Landis is an awful person anyway, so who cares? Well, I, I, I would say yes, but enough people cared to where it became an un- it became a huge thing but like i was but like i was saying like at least for for my justification for like i guess for how good she is at what she does i mean like i said she's been on her own for some time that you know she has to i mean she she adapts to survive so like she she picks things up rather easily yeah and i mean you can sure. also bring in like oh she she has the force in her so she can like you know, whatever you can, you can make up, like you could say whatever you want, but like for me, because of her backstory and her background that was introduced in the movie, it's not necessarily, at least for me, a problem that she's capable to do what she can do. Even if, even if maybe she's, she's so good at everything that she tries, but, but no, I, I, I found a way to look at it and go, well, I, I can see what you mean, but I don't, I don't think that. I think for me, the only thing where I, I kind of see that is really with the, the mind trick thing. Because to me personally, mind trick feels like such an ad- advanced ability. And for it to get, like, everything else makes sense to me. Especially because people are like, oh, how did she beat Kylo Ren? And I'm like, Kylo Ren wasn't trying to kill her. It wasn't like he no. was going after Finn. Finn, he was, like, really trying to rip him apart. With <laughs> he her. wanted to tear him to shreds. When he was fighting Rey... He was. I feel like he was testing her abilities, and a lot of that battle, he's he's his strikes are are different than how he was striking. He's he's pulling his punches. Yeah, exactly. You know, so Ray is strong, and and she she can whack something real hard. However, 
However, Ky- Kylo Ren, I, I still, you know, I, he was holding back clearly, I think, in that sequence, which is not something I thought about initially when I was watching Force Awakens, admittedly, because you're just so amped up with the excitement. Ray just got the lightsaber. You're like, what? What like, is going ah! on? And then the music, the music plays when she oh, catches it. And you're no, like, no, no, you're no, like, no. Oh my gosh. No, the best shot is where, where she's like, is the close up of her and you see like the, the, the blue and the red on her face that she's like trying to defend. And she's like, almost like calling upon like the force as she closes her eyes. I'm like, that's such a beautiful moment too. Right. You know what Sean, I'm talking about? Oh yeah. Um, the other thing too, that I know we'll agree on is that, like we said, is a little familiar. And when you're a little familiar, uh, you kind of look like a new hope. Yeah. I mean, especially with the way it ends and Starkiller base, they literally point, it's just funny too, that they pointed out in the movie, like this is the death star. This is Starkiller base. And you're like, see, it's different. And you're like, is it though? <laughs> 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 like, is it really that different? And you know what was uh, one of the other things with the movie, too? Because it's very similar to No Hope, where you have the new Darth Vader and all that, yada, yada, yada. Is the way it introduces the familiar elements. So they don't just, like, have the gang all in one scene together. You know, they parse it out. So, like, in, a, like, 40-something minutes, maybe closer to an hour in, you get the Millennium Falcon. Then a little bit later, you get Han Solo and Chewbacca. Then maybe another half hour or so later, you get C-3PO and Princess Leia. A little bit later, you get R2-D2. <gasps> At the end of the movie, we get Luke! <gasps> so it's kind of like these moments that are staged, so that way you, it's like constant applause throughout the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it's, ah, uh, who said it? Um... I think it was a Patrick Willems video where he was talking about like how like they play on nostalgia. They play on like, you know, they have like all the different, um, you know, scenes and moments that are like, oh, my God. Like when the Millennium Falcon shows up, you know, instantly you're like, you know, when they, when, uh, they go, what about that ship? That one's garbage. You, you kind of go, oh, no. Uh, uh, and then you see it and then you hear the music. You're like, it's the Millennium Falcon. It's Falcon. And so, um, but then, like, obviously, after the movie had been out for a while, and more and more people had seen it a bunch of times, then they start going, because once that once that instant like gratification is gone, because you'd seen the movie so many times, it's like, eh, mm. you know what it's like, Richard? It's like watching a comedy without the laugh track, like a like a sitcom. Yeah, like you're used to hearing like the applause or whatever at the scene. I remember the applause every time I went to see it. And then you see it at home and you're like, okay, this is still fun, but the excitement just isn't, it isn't quite doing it for me this time. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think it's one of those things where you need to see this movie. You need to see this movie opening weekend in a packed house with a lot of excited fans. And I think the initial reaction for a lot of people before a lot of the stuff coming out was, yeah, this was fun. It was a good time. It was a fun time, you know, and people were like, okay, this is an interesting place to start. Let's see where it goes. And before we get to see where it goes, we of course have sort of a first with with the with the live action Star Wars movies. Rogue One: A Star Wars Story is sort of just a spin off, a direct prequel to A New Hope. I mean, it's an adaptation of a sentence from the from the crawl <laughs> from the from A New Hope. You know, so um, it's literally just an adaptation of a sentence from from that. It's like 
what was what was just meant to be like a setup is now a whole movie it's interesting but i feel like i mean obviously this approach uh they were like well listen with the marvel movies one a year two a year now we're doing three a year let's kind of do that with star wars we'll have the episodes you know we'll do episode one or or episode uh uh seven and then uh we'll throw in like a like a filler movie to get people like still thinking about star wars episode eight another little filler movie to get people thinking episode nine and we'll kind of just keep that formula going and it's gonna work it's gonna be awesome we know exactly what we're doing no one's gonna stop caring no one's gonna be upset (sighs) if only (laughs) but yeah yeah rogue one i remember seeing rogue one because i i i had a different job by the time this one came out and Mm -hmm. i wanted to see it but i knew i had to work the night it came out and it was a very busy night and there was um there was a question about whether or not i would go see it the next day or on whenever i had a day off next and a friend of mine happened to have two tickets to go see a midnight showing at another movie theater, um, uh, which was like a little bit further away because that was the only place I think he could get tickets maybe because everyone else was sold out. Right. I was like, you know what? I want to see this movie. I want to s- I want to see something that's more like in the, in the Empire era, the classic era of Star Wars. Um, the trailers look kind of interesting. Um, it, it could be something cool. I'm, I want to go see it. Uh, especially because I kept seeing all these people come in, going to see the movie, and I'm like, oh, I want to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, I want to go see Star Wars now. Uh, we go to see it, and mind you, I am beat. I am so tired from work. I am just, like, dead to the world. And uh, we drive to this, it's like a decrepit mall, like a very low-end mall. And the the movie theater's in it. And the theater is, like, a long hall it's it's like a long room with no it's not like stadium seating or anything it's just on the floor seating that's the screen's like almost too high up and they're not the most comfortable chairs in the world and i'm watching this movie and i'm bored i'm tired i'm exhausted so surprise surprise i i miss like probably <laughs> um so about 35 percent of what happened in Rogue One. <laughs> maybe around there, maybe a little bit more. And I just remember thinking, this 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 movie, I don't I don't care about any like I wake up and I'm like, I don't really care what's happening right now. And then like Darth Vader shows up, I'm like, oh Darth Vader. <laughs> and then finally gets to the end of the movie, and that's when I'm like awake finally. I'm like, oh, okay. This is fun. <laughs> yeah, I saw Rogue One. You know, another Thursday night opening situation. Tickets weren't as hard to get as they were for Force Awakens. But, you know, still pretty pretty crowded theater when we saw it. And it was an interesting experience because I think my initial positivity towards the movie was that, listen, even after rewatching all of these movies, I still think, stylistically speaking, Rogue One is the most unique Star Wars movie. Oh, because no, it does, yeah. not, does not play by the conventional story. Again, you know, it doesn't have the title crawl. It starts out with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, but it plays out to a certain degree, you know, because obviously it's a Disney movie, so it can't go all the way all the time. But it plays out more like a war, almost like a a modern war movie. And especially true of, like, the third act sequence where you have, like, some of the -the on-the-ground troopers and stuff 
some of the, you know, shady things. Like, I liked Cassian Andor in theory, and I hope we like him more with the Disney Plus show, Mm -hmm. where he kills a dude. He kills a dude, you know, because that's just something that he has to do. Yeah. You know, and typically, typically we're like, okay, this character is a good guy. They're doing the right thing. They're shooting stormtroopers, but it's okay because they're the good guys. This guy kill, kills a dude who isn't a stormtrooper. Yeah. He isn't like a conventional soldier, and he just kills a dude. You know, um, my biggest issue with this movie, you know, it's beautiful to look at. I think it's a well-shot movie in a lot of respects, and the action scenes are great. The characters are very lacking. <sighs> um, yeah. So, <laughs> And here's the thing with Rogue One, too, is that these characters are basically like you know the ending you know that they're gonna go on this mission and eventually they're gonna die so you 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 feel like there should be some kind of you know even even though they're gonna die it's like it's it's uh it's kind of like titanic in a way like you know how that's gonna end i'm not saying everybody dies in titanic but you know how they you know how that movie ends so you want to make sure that people care enough to when you get to that point it's heartbreaking but when it gets to that point, you don't really care. You're like, yay, they got the plans. And you're like, woo, cool, all right. Then Darth Vader shows up, and you're like, oh, the hallway scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate representation of how exciting it was to see that scene the first time. So, it's, you know, they just none of them really... I mean, some of them, not to say all of them are boring. Some of them are at least interesting to a degree. But... For the most part, you just don't really care about the the Rogue One crew, I guess. One thing I will say, too, is I know there's a lot of talk about, like, you know, oh, they're forcing diversity and things, and oh, this and oh, all that, you know. But I feel like Rogue One's one of those movies where there's a fairly diverse Oh, no, group, it is. I agree. Um, in, in the Rebel, Rebel Alliance and the team, and it's it's never, like, it makes it a... It never makes it, like, a you know, like, the main theme is diversity or anything like It's just, this is a crew of people they have mm-hmm. together, and they're banding together to beat the Empire. And I think that was a very... I, I think the way they handled that aspect of it was really admirable, and I liked that part No, I agree it. with that. Um, as far as, like, Japanese influences, we talked a little bit about the Hidden Fortress with Star Wars, the original film, um, and some Japanese cinema continues, too, with uh, the character of uh, Chirrut Imwe, Obviously, he's Don, Donnie Yen, who is not Japanese, um, but the character is very much like Zadoichi, the blind swordsman. You know, so it makes me... Th- so he was, like, sort of my favorite non-Darth Vader thing <laughs> in the movie to, to get attached to in a lot of ways. He was he was a cool... I loved his... Um, I did... I, I, when I watched the movie again and saw everything, uh, <laughs> I did love his um, his fight scene. Um, the Like, the way he kind of... and He's probably the most interesting character that isn't like a comic relief character as far as like the performances and like the way that the characters were introduced and um it's definitely it definitely is a a great way to introduce that character is this like kind of blind sage like you know a guy that's a somewhat of a force wielder um and uh you know just the way he like just destroys those uh those stormtroopers is awesome (laughs) <laughs> like you're like okay that's pretty cool actually and then let's uh, k2so was another standout for a lot of mm-hmm. people i mean it's i mean alan tudyk i mean you can't you can't really go wrong with alan tudyk let's be honest i also think it's a very well realized special effect i mean 
when you look at like look at it on screen, it looks so natural, you know, in a lot of the scenes that it's it's actually kind of mind blowing to me. It, it was really well done. No, no, I really liked. I thought again the movie. I know we talk a lot about aesthetics, but aesthetically the movie is fantastic, and the and like the the, the use of practical versus special effects, the way even just the way Gareth Edwards makes the cockpits of the X wings look just almost just like how they did in uh, the original trilogy. That was the other thing I wanted to mention too was that the actors, a lot of the actors in this movie, they feel like actors who would have been pulled off for a casting call in 1976 for the original star wars like they feel like they could have been from the 70s a lot of these people and they cast it a lot of like the extras and stuff very well oh i 100 percent agree with that um so with rogue one it was like a great like 200 million dollar fan film with yeah lacking characters no, that's 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 a really <laughs> good point um like you said hopefully uh with uh, diego luna's character they're able to flesh him out more in the show but I don't know. Again, it's it's a it's a it's an adaptation of a sentence from the crawl from New Hope. So, I mean, already just from that notion, and maybe just because that's the way it's being it's being built up in like my brain or other anyone else that thinks of it that way. It's just that something that was just a throwaway in a in a New Hope. You know, like you want to turn that into a movie, okay? But um, I mean, I I can't say um they you know there wasn't a lack of trying in making it a great movie. Because you know, I, I I do think Gareth Edwards is a talented enough director to make a great movie. It's just, eh, I didn't really care. I think that that was my general feeling too. I knew I knew quite a few people. Although when I talk to people about Disney Star Wars, some people will say this is their least favorite. But I know quite a few that will say this is their favorite one because this is something that they've always wanted to see done on the big screen, like a. Like I said, I, I gritty war drama sounds silly when you talk about Star Wars, <laughs> but like gritty war movie version of Star Wars. It was something that a lot of people had wanted to see. But the year after that, we had the highly anticipated... And much controversial. Highly controversial. Yeah. Yes, much controversial. Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Straw. I mean, The Last uh, Jedi. What? Hold on. What? what, what <laughs> hold on. Was that a skip there? What'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> sorry that was okay so we're, we're just gonna say we're, we're gonna say this off the top just just to, in case there's any sort of like confusion if you don't like the last jedi we don't hate you if you if you no, you know we don't we don't care if, if you like if, if you if you if you don't like it that's perfectly fine you know i just want i just want to get that out of the way because you know there there can be i some, mean you, know, you could you could you could tell from the beginning of the episode <laughs> you know i don't care just you know how I feel. I know how you feel. That's fine. I don't care. Uh, so the the last Jedi. I think one of the big things to talk about with this movie is, as I said, with like Star Wars, you know, the original trilogy, there was sort of like a adherence to tradition and adherence to mytholo mythological things, King Arthur, samurai cinema, Flash Gordon, and things like that. Whereas this is really this is very much like as you said, a deconstructionist take on Star Wars and. It is very much about the themes, maybe more so than most Star Wars movies, if not any, all of them, you know. For me, like, it's a movie that feels like the, the, the first real true evolution of Star Wars. And you probably hear that a lot uh, from people that like the, the Last Jedi, is that it feels like the first time you watch a Star Wars movie, um, at least in the new branch of stuff, 
where it's moving forward taking 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 what happened prior almost it's it's almost like i feel like the last jedi is like the metaphorical version of like that one kid that said you know watches star wars you just showed them star wars you're so excited to show them star wars and they're like you know do people really like these guys <laughs> and then they're like excuse me it's it's like when I watched Planet of the Apes and I said Taylor was awful. <laughs> <laughs> Throwback. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, like it's I don't think the movie hates Star Wars. I don't think the movie doesn't understand Star Wars. I think the movie is just wanting to ask questions about Star Wars that maybe other people are too like involved in their own fandom and their own like way that they see Star Wars to have someone else say well, is 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 that necessarily a good thing? Is that necessarily a bad thing? And so, like, I think with I think Ryan Johnson was brave enough, and it might it may have hindered him to some degree on uh, his relationship with Star Wars. And he probably won't ever make a Star Wars movie again. Um, you know, there was that whole trilogy planned that maybe is, who knows that that's going to happen anymore. But uh, he at least got to make the movie he wanted to make, and he at least got at least for me to make a movie that looked at aspects of Star Wars um, and say, huh, while also um, dealing with uh, dealing with an element that was probably one of my favorite aspects of the movie is the idea of balance. You know, like the good side, the light side, the dark side, and, you know, the thing in between. You know, like the whole idea of the Force is there needs to be balance in the Force. You know, you hear Jedi often saying, like, you know, be be passionate but but uh but be patient you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so it feels like almost a movie representation of that idea of the force being this kind of like balance like there has to be a sith there has to be a jedi and you know it adds gray area to everything you know even that scene with uh with with uh dj uh and they're in that like war profiteers ship that they boosted and you see you know you know he was selling ships to like tie fighters to the uh, the first order and then what's this an x-wing what and uh you know it's it's just it, it asks questions that people seem to be afraid to ask but you know that's just again that's just me or things that, that or things that they just didn't <laughs> want to think about. Like one of the big things I remember after this movie came out, people were like, "Wait, there, the, people were worried about fuel in Star Wars," and I'm like, "Well, you know, it, it was never yeah. an issue, but it was never an issue before." And I'm like, <laughs> "Well, this is this is my thing, okay? My thing is like, yes, it's important to uh, to say, okay, let's try to remain as consistent as we can as far as making this feel like the same universe, right? But right, but." You have to be able to let other voices in and tell the stories that they want to tell and incorporate new things. Example, when you watch Return of the Jedi in 1983, whenever you watched it, was your first question in that movie going, hey, wait a minute, they couldn't do lightning in the other movies. Why couldn't they do lightning? <laughs> why, why, is why, lightning? why is it just now? Why is it just now wait, being mentioned? And then Empire Strikes Back. Wait, wait, he couldn't. they couldn't do that with a lightsaber. In episode four, you mean you mean to tell me that they could do that? Oh, that's lame. <laughs> now some of that is just like I'm being intentionally ridiculous, but that that's to me what it sounds like when someone says, "Oh, the Holdo maneuver," where they essentially kamikaze into the the first like to the uh, supremacy. I'm just like, 
Uh. It's such a cool moment. And they're like, oh, but it, it breaks Star Wars. I'm like, it broke Star Wars? That broke Star Wars? It broke... It broke some ships. I know that. I, know it, I mean, it broke, broke some ships. I Star definitely Wars? some damage. You know, there's some damage. <laughs> it did some damage. Oof. Man, the Laura first Dern. Oh man, let me, Laura Dern. Just give me, give me. You took those guys down. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, hell, hell yeah. Um, but no, it's it. Just so many little things that people, and I'm not saying they're not justified. You know, if you have these problems, again, that's fine. Um, we might even have a disclaimer at the opening of this, along with. Uh, our typical going, listen, this is our opinion <laughs> of everything we're going to say. This is not objective um, fact. It's just just two dudes talking about Star Wars. That's all it is. That's that's all it is. Um, but like, even the Luke thing, that's probably one of the biggest things that people talk about is the whole Luke discussion. Here's the thing. Everybody changes as they grow up. Especially if they have a realization or an epiphany or an experience, you know, like take Batman. I know I, I bring up Batman a lot. I'm sorry. Not in this episode, but just in general. Um, to, I'm apologizing to you. Not really. Um, but think about think about Batman. When he's a kid, he's probably happy-go-lucky. He's, you know, he's got a rich family. Um, he's, he's living his best life one day. He goes to see a movie he was so excited to see. So, so just like, yes... Uh, then he sees his parents get shot right in front of him, and that's a life-changing moment. And he's changed from that from that point on. Uh, Luke, and even people, I know they they kind of question the uh, the change, like the 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 inciting incident of him becoming the way he is. Um, you know, Luke, you know he he devoted himself to the Jedi movement. He devoted himself to wanting to 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 restart a new Jedi order, but because he is imperfect and he's a person he's a human uh he uh he fails he fails miserably and he makes a really bad decision which leads to not only the 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 destruction of his chance of his chances to rebuild the jedi order not only leads to him almost uh officially turning his only uh nephew to the dark side but also breaks his spirits to the point where he's like, he starts to re-examine things. He starts to re-examine the entirety of the history of the Jedi. And even outright saying to Rey, like, the history of the Jedi is failure. They allowed Darth Sidious to take over uh, the, the Republic and, and murder, mo- not all of them, but most of the Jedi of all ages. Like that's failure. That's an epic fail. <laughs> so he's not wrong. <laughs> and so um it it brings him to this point where he has to like self-reflect. And he even says that's why he's on the island is to reflect on everything that he that he'd been through and everything that he believed now feels shaken. And so and then so it just it makes sense narratively speaking and even just character growth wise that when we first meet Luke maybe he's not necessarily as happy go lucky as he was when he was younger when he was a kid you know uh his head full of wishes and hopes and 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 the force very well said i'm not going to say any more of that because i think you pretty much have said everything i was going to say <laughs> on that topic even things that i don't love like canto bite you know maybe does it go on a little too long maybe yeah. 
But to just say take it out of the movie, it to me is a silly statement because it's so crucial to the ideas and the themes of the movie. We were talking about war as kind of a uh, a major theme of Rogue One. With Last Jedi, they really get into it and in the, in the idea that you know they're like in traditional manner there is a good side and a bad side. And there's nothing wrong with that in storytelling. You know, you have the good guys, you have the bad guys. This movie, they they really wanted to point out that, yeah, maybe the Rebels might have a more noble cause, but the Rebels also have to, uh, you know, turn a few tricks, maybe bury a few bodies in order to get what they want. And is that morally right? No. Is it ethically right? No. But, you know, it's, it's, um, it brings, like, like I said, it brings questions to the table that maybe you wouldn't have thought of prior to, you know, when watching like any of the original movies and um, even just, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. Like when you see Finn go into the casino and just being like, Oh my God, this is amazing. You know, that kind of like, you know, aesthetic, like, like just, just looking at everything, just going, this is so fun. How could you hate this place? And then, you know, Rose uh, lifts the veil and says, how do you think this, this flourishes you know who do you think is uh why do you think this is even here and then you know it's war profiteering war is business war makes money and uh it just leads it's just you know it, it it brings in some interesting points and questions that you know you don't really see in in a star wars movie especially and... with a movie with the word war in it yeah um with, with that said, I want to conclude this by saying, like, when I first saw The Last Jedi, it was a great experience because at the end of it, I'm like, oh my goodness, a lot of the stuff I expected them to do in the third movie, they did in the second movie, and they left it open for a whole new set of, like, story things like, oh my goodness, Rey now knows that her parents were nobodies kylo was in charge kylo and hux are in charge of the first order there are a bunch of like children who probably didn't want it in the first place and now they're just like oh no we have to run all this daddy daddy snoke isn't uh paying the bills anymore and and now we're gonna do what i want and i want to kill luke skywalker i want to blow up the millennium falcon uh poe is developed into you know, maybe a more level-headed leader in this one. I really liked his arc in this. And it, like I said, it left the sto- the door open. I also loved the way it ends where you have the, the broom boy, as he's been called. That's one of the big memes. Broom boy picks up the broom and it looks like he's holding a lightsaber. And I'm like, that's Star Wars right there. You picking up some sort of stick and just, boom. Anyone, that's the whole, that's the message of Star Wars is that anyone can be, can do great. Anyone can be good. That's what the message is. You don't don't have to be a member of the Star Wars, of the Skywalker clan in order for you to matter in the Star Wars universe. I'm saying it. It's out there. This is like (laughs) the same, same themes like Ratatouille. A, a, a great a, a great chef can come from anywhere, even though not everyone can be a great chef. But moving on from Star Wars, the last <laughs> Star Wars, the last Remy, we are moving on to the next uh, Star Wars spinoff film, which uh, this one is an interesting one. Uh, Solo, a Star Wars movie. It's interesting for maybe the wrong reasons. This is the first failure of the Disney Star Wars movies. Because, like, here's the thing, right? Here was the Here's the traditional schedule with these movies. They have Force Awakens, uh, Rogue One, Jedi, Christmas, holidays. Let's get that holiday money in there. 
let's uh let's do that but some some yokel some joker was like hey what if we released solo significantly earlier in the year almost to the point where like there's barely enough time that has passed from the last star wars movie <laughs> let's see how that works it uh it doesn't it, it doesn't work. Well, there's a lot of things that happened. Originally, this was supposed to be directed by Phil Lord and Chris Miller of Lego Movie fame, the 21 Jump Street, and, you know. Cloudy other... with the chance of meatballs. Yeah. So it was like an exciting thing for people. Like, oh, these guys, these guys get to make a Star Wars movie. I remember when uh, we I actually was uh, on an interview panel uh, with them in college. and <sighs> Rub we... it in. Yeah. Uh-huh. You got to meet him. Yeah, I got to meet him, and uh, Phil Lord called my sideburns face framers. It was awesome. Oh, look at me. I'm Joey. I got to meet some really cool, talented filmmakers. And they were excited at that point. You know, they were really excited (laughs) to do a Star Wars movie. And then um, the production of Solo happened. And I don't know if they were, were they let go or did they leave themselves? I forget the exact story. I mean, I've heard they were fired. I've heard there was creative differences and it just wasn't panning out. Um, ultimately what ended up happening was, uh, they got someone who, uh, a a significantly more, not to say better director, but more experienced director, uh, to, to kind of finish it. Experienced, but also he knew, like Ron Howard was the director, you know, of Solo at this point. Uh, director of, of the absolute classic, uh, uh, Jim Carrey, the Grinch film, of course. That's what, that's the only movie. Yeah, unapologetically a... <laughs> love that movie. <laughs> I do too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, but with, with with Ron Howard, I mean, the, the folks at Lucasfilm knew Ron Howard. He was friends with George. If he's friends with George, he was in American Graffiti. Yeah, of course they're best friends. <laughs> His so, daughter directs an episode of Mandalorian. The family is there. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, no, but... Uh, yeah, with, with Ron Howard, you know, I, I think they wanted a director where I don't want to say they wanted to control him, but they wanted somebody they were more familiar with. You yes. know, is working yes. on the project. And somebody like Ron Howard is like I've heard people call him Diet Spielberg. What if you <laughs> like that description for him or not is up to you. However, he'll make a movie and he's made some good ones, you know. Yes, he'll make a movie and he'll he'll do it. You know, he'll make a movie. He knows what he's doing. He's yeah, he's he, competent, experienced. Um, and he's made he's made some really good movies. Going into to solo, just kind of it kind of made sense. Like you were saying, like there's a familiarity. There was already like that like language that like connection between him and the Lucasfilm people. So it just kind of made sense. And you know what? Like as far as like transition, like if I had not known anything about the backstory and like the the, the leading into the making of this movie, I would think it's just a Ron Howard movie because it looks like a Ron Howard movie. It feels like a Ron Howard movie. Not that like he has any kind of like distinction necessarily, but it like you can definitely it definitely feels like it would it was a Ron Howard movie. So it's interesting that it came out the way that it did. It, I'll say this like it's other than the next film we're about to talk about. Solo is probably my least favorite out of the Disney Star Wars movies. But but when you watch the movie, you are right. It doesn't feel. Like it's a re- a total recobbled mess, like other movies that we've seen where yes. they've had so many reshoots and and whatnot. There's so, there's so many examples of that, and Solo, like there's some things where I think it's 
Though my motto, my mantra for Solo was, there was a lot of people who were like, why do we need a Han Solo movie? Do we really <laughs> need this, this this thing to happen? And I'm like, you know what? Considering all of that, it's better than what you would expect it to be. I, I, I would agree with that. Uh, for the most part, it is, like I said, it's an, it's an entertaining movie. You know, there's definitely some uh, worthwhile performances. Like, uh, you know, people always talk about uh, Donald Glover, who plays me in The Martian. Fun fact, look it up. Um, <laughs> if you know my full name, you'll know that joke. And, but he's no, he's, he's kind of like perfect casting as like a young Lando. The, what's her name? The, the, the woman that created Fleabag. What's her name? Oh, um, shoot. <clears throat> like Phoebe something? Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Yes. Uh, no, she's really good. I loved her. I loved her, uh, as the, as like the droid partner character to, to Lando. I thought she was funny. Like the that sassiness. was my least favorite thing in the movie. Really? But if if you liked, it, yeah, that was I was like, I was so down with the movie, and then she pops in, and I'm like, oh gosh, and then they make her the navigation thing for the Falcon. I'm like, that is so weird now <laughs> that I have that knowledge in my head. Oh my god! But okay, if you liked it, that's fine. Yeah. There, there are some good bits. I like the droid uprising that she does. That was pretty funny. <laughs> I just thought I just kind of liked like her her sassiness and her like the way she like. Like just the, the the what she brought to the I just thought it was it was interesting. I wanted to bring up uh, Amelia Clark as Kira, and my opinion on this is maybe a little different than other people. I think Kira is one of the more in, like I'm not saying she's like the best character of all time, and I, I have a little crush on Amelia Clark, so Bias. you know take that as what you will. <laughs> Bias, but I think Kira is an interesting character because we've we in the Star Wars movies anyway we haven't really had like a femme fatale type of character. And I think she's sort of the closest we've come to that. And I think I'm like, wow, that could be actually really interesting as like a like a TV series or something with her and and all that stuff. She and she's pretty good. She's okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Revenge. Uh, no. Um, if you want to talk about characters that just just don't work, you might we might agree on this one. And it's does not- it have to do with a hair piece? Does it have to do with a hair piece? <laughs> Is there a hair piece involved? Please tell me yes. Uh, if you want there to be, uh, I was—I don't know if I was going to go that <laughs> route. I was going to—I was going to go a little bit somewhere different. But um, oh, okay. uh, listen, I can't knock him for not trying, and he—he he does somewhat of a decent job. But I just—I don't—I I don't care or even like Alden Ehrenreich all that much. I just don't. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 not even that he. It's just hard to, um, you know, do what Harrison does when he's Han Solo. It's not just that. It's just that. Eh. Just don't care. Here's my here's my take. Here's my take. A lot of the time, I, I will compare Han Solo to a character like Jack Sparrow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jack Sparrow and Han Solo do not become interesting characters until you first see them in their first movies. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so with Han Solo, it's a new hope. When you see him in the cantina, you know everything you need to know about Han Solo. You don't need to know too much about his backstory or anything. You love him as soon as you see him. Same thing with Jack Sparrow. You know, when they go into the backstory of Jack Sparrow in Pirates 5, I don't care. No. I think it's kind of lame. I don't give a It's crap. dumb. It, no matter what they do, it's dumb. It's, 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 so it's like when you have like that comedic relief character like Han Solo or Jack Sparrow, it's very hard to have them 
carry the movie on their shoulders. I mean, they're 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 designed as as supporting characters. Like, like the, the the characters themselves are designed to be support for the main. Like that's just like mm. they're they're enter- the thing is like they're entertaining enough that we that we love them, but to have them carry right. their own movie, like you're saying, it just it doesn't it it kind of brings the 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 one real flaw in a character like that to the forefront that they're not main characters. They're not like you know the central like story story focused character. They're the character supporting the other character, and it's happened a few times. And that brings me to my character I thought you were going to mention as the the Woody Harrelson character. You mean man 2018 was the year of bad Woody Harrelson head hair pieces. Listen, between that and Venom. <laughs> you know, at least at Venom it was fun. It's just with his big old wig, I'm like, you know what, at least it's fun. I I, I don't mind a big poop. He wasn't in it long. He, <laughs> no. he 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 probably only had to shoot for like a day, <laughs> so that was nice, I guess. But you know what? The thing with Woody Harrelson is he's a character like like he himself is charismatic enough that maybe you don't necessarily like think about it per se. Like I I just like Woody Harrelson in general. You know, he's funny, he's interesting. But like as far I as like just, him, but it's just a character. He's not really anything. He's just Woody Harrelson. He's the mentor to Han Solo, and I'm like, why the hell do you, does Han Solo need a mentor character? This just seems so silly. This is but, like, but again, that why that that leads to the <laughs> overall that just leads to the overall problem. Of the movie is that everything is so on the nose in the way that they set up who Han Solo is from the moment they ask him, and this is, seems to be a continuous problem with Star Wars when they ask him his name and they say, "What's your name?" He goes, "Han." You're like, what's your what's your family name? Han Skywalker. Okay. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, I had to. Uh, but no, he like the, he just says he he has no one. He's by himself, and then the guy just all clever, like Han Solo. <laughs> and you're like, Ugh. and then like we're gonna throw you in with the Beast, and you're like, he's gonna beat Chewie. He's gonna be Chewy. He's you know I'm gonna I know he's gonna be there there he is. There's Chewy. I think they have some pretty good scenes with those two. I want to say some of my other favorite things in this movie. I love the design of Kessel. You know, I mm-hmm. think one of the biggest problems for me with a lot of the Disney Star Wars movies is that they have locations that just look like other locations that we've seen in Star Wars before. And Kessel, I think, is one of the more unique locations that we've seen. No, Kessel um, Kessel in the movies. And I think Kessel is yeah. cool. Um it's definitely one of the cooler Star Wars. Uh, locations we visit in solo that we can see yes uh (laughs) segway um listen you can't see anything in this movie uh whoever the the lighting guy uh, the lighting technician on solo i think he i don't think they had one Because this movie ballooned to such a huge budget. Like, this thing cost so much money to make between, like, reshooting a good chunk of this thing and all that and the rewrites and stuff that, man, that, that they probably didn't have a budget for catering. They were like, just pack your own lunch, guys. Sorry, <laughs> Donald Glover. You, you just got, got to bring those PB&J, man. That's it. That's all you got. Get. He's like, man. So he go. that's probably why he took the Lion King job. He was like, the like John Favreau got the spread. Where was this? John Favreau Solo. has connections. John Favreau has foodie connections. Yes, he does. John Favreau will keep me keep me fed. He is amazing. I don't care if I'm. This is a boring movie. 
It's better time than solo. Stupid Ron Howard and stupid no catering budget. You know what? Your daughter's nice, though. I'll say that. But listen. (laughs) (laughs) Just want to say that that solo definitely had a catering budget. We're just Just, poking fun. We we don't want (laughs) anything to arise out of that. Don't call us (laughs) Kathleen Kennedy. We're sorry. Uh, but, but ultimately I think that was like one of those, like, to me, I was like, okay, this is this, like Pete, when people worried about like quote unquote Disney star Wars, like being a certain way and all that, this was the first movie I think where I'm like, yeah, I definitely see that, that that's an issue. Again, for a movie that had as many problems behind the scenes as it had before the movie came out, it's still admittedly, objectively, aesthetically is better than you would have expected it. That doesn't mean it's uh, it's a it's a grand old like amazing Star Warsy time. It's just not, mm-hmm. and it's right. unfortunate. Though I do, um, I like I said, I do like a- aspects of it. Um, I like that it's kind of a western. I like the tr- there's a train robbery, which is kind of fun. You know, like old school like outlaw kind of thing. Train robbery is fun, and I like that the ending doesn't feel like a fate of the galaxy type of thing. There's like a fight in a room that happens. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then there's that that cameo. That, that little... Oh, yeah, the cameo. The little end cameo. But, you know, I know you love that end cameo. A <laughs> little bit of... Oh, it was, it was so great. A little bit of Darth Maul uh, action. <laughs> oh, everybody's favorite. Okay. <laughs> um, but moving on to uh, our final live action Star Wars adventure. The end of not only the sequel trilogy, but also the entirety of... Of the Star, uh, Star Skywalker saga, the rise of Skywalker. That was probably more epic than it needed to be for that movie. I don't think it deserved that, but I wanted it to be. <laughs> All right, so this movie. Now, I was I was anticipating this movie only because, like, you know, you had Solo, which was like whatever, and I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I have to wait longer than normal for a new star wars movie because yes the time between last jedi and solo was short however because of that we had to wait basically a year and a half to get the next star wars movies we had to wait a while for this one um and this and 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 there was so much that happened with this i mean for those of you that aren't aware originally it was going to have colin trevorrow who did uh the jurassic world movie um direct it it was going to be a whole new story um, but then, of course, uh, what was it? Book of Henry came out, and then like it tanked and got terrible reviews. Book of Henry mega tanked, mega tanked, and like like didn't like did he did he have a hissy fit about it? Did Colin Trevorrow have some kind of like like did something happen? I, I don't know. Point point being is that Colin Trevorrow at that point stopped being involved with Episode Nine, and we got J.J. Abrams. On the director's helm, and I think he has a writing credit on this too, doesn't he? Yeah, it's like they basically worked off of the Colin Trevorrow script, but then him and uh, our good old buddy Oscar winner Chris Terrio uh, came on board mm-hmm. um, to mm-hmm. help them finish the the final script. And um, it was, like I said, it was it was uh, supposed to be the big conclusion to the new trilogy, but also to the entire listen, the entire nine movie saga saga whatever you want to call it of star wars like it was a big monumental thing the trailers were these massive things like you saw like all these ships lando finally showed up 
Uh, you know, there was questions about how they were going to handle the unfortunate passing of Carrie Fisher in the film and mm-hmm. how Leia was going to be incorporated. And just obviously, just that, for, admittedly, that first, like, teaser trailer was was kind of cool. Just, like, that shot of Rey, and uh, she's in her new Jedi outfit. She's got, mm-hmm. uh, like, the, the fixed uh, lightsaber, the, the Luke Skywalker lightsaber. And you see the, you see Kylo Ren just, like, charging at her. Just, like, Tsh-. so admittedly, like, you see that, and you're, like, kind of hyped. And then, uh, then we saw the movie. Uh, I want to talk about positive stuff because we we don't say this outright usually, but we're generally a positive show. I'd like to think so. And I do like to try to keep keep things positive. Um, this movie, the way they handle Carrie Fisher, it, there, there's no ideal way to handle it because mm-hmm. who's going to want to play Princess Leia after Carrie Fisher has passed? No one. I can tell you. No I can tell you, no one. It, it, it would, you know, and the way they handle it, you know, again, it's not perfect. You can tell. They have to really repurpose things mm-hmm. uh, to fit. It works m- much better than I was ever expecting it's, it to do. Though I got to commend them for like that. Like when you hear them say, "We're going to take deleted, unused footage from the Force Awakens and use it in the film," like on on one hand, you're like, "Huh? Like how, how's how's that going to work? Like like what are you what are you going to?" But then you see it in the movie. And yeah, like there's again, there's noticeable things. It's not like Superman upper lip bad, but it's you know little little things and like the way it's lit, and you know the, there's just little certain things. But ultimately, they they do a fairly like solid job at handling that. And even didn't wasn't there times they had uh, her daughter uh, who's in the movies as uh, as a rebel uh, or not a rebel but a resistance soldier. Like didn't didn't uh, she body Billy double? Lord. Yeah, Billy Lord didn't. I think she body double for a couple times even. It, it, I know, I know. In the scene where they had the flashback with Luke and Leia, mm-hmm. which was, I think that was very well done. I think she was the body double in that sequence. Um, that was very cool. So and and, other, and obvi- yeah. but like, but obviously there were some things that they just had to do. I mean, you know, so they couldn't they couldn't just keep doing that the whole movie. So like her death, almost it feels admittedly. A little anticlimactic, but it's not like they could have done anything else with it. And so they try to do the best that they can to not only honor the character, honor the performance, and of course, honor Carrie Fisher. So they do the the best that they can, and they do a pretty solid job about it. So, I, yeah. And here's a, here, here's a th- sad thing, too, with that, is when you look at each of the, the sequel trilogy movies up to that point, okay? Force Awakens was the Han Solo movie. Last Jedi was the Luke movie. And this was this so by law should have been the Leia. This movie. was supposed to be the Leia. Yeah, yeah, it should have been the Leia movie, and which was especially important given you know we see her use the Force a bit more in you know the Last Jedi, and when she was sensing Han's death in uh, Force Awakens and all that, you figure oh this is going to be exciting, and again they do the best that they can. Um, but going off of like legacy characters, Harrison Ford's cameo in this is absolutely one of the most touching scenes I think in any Star Wars movie. Honestly, it. No, I 100% agree. I will say there are two things that you can't help. Again, I don't. We are a positive show, but you can't help but note these two things. One, Chris Terrio has some kind of odd obsession with bringing dead dads back to life because he he did it in this. Mm-hmm. He did it in uh, Batman v Superman. So it works significantly better here. I'll say that. Um, and uh, uh-huh. the other thing you can't help but notice is that Harrison Ford clearly. Um, 
just showed up that day and they were like okay go <laughs> they didn't like he, he probably didn't have a lot of hair and makeup he was he had very sick very uh noticeable like uh five o'clock shadow which he didn't have when he died um you know like it's a, it's it's it, it kind of takes you out of the 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 picture in in the sense that you know kylo ren's not only like having this moment this like almost uh in his head moment with uh his late father but he's imagining what he looks like when he just wakes up <laughs> which he, i don't know if he's seen right. yeah <laughs> so like, it's it's a bit weird but on within the performances and within how it plays out it is a very like touching moment i do agree also now this is slightly like i have mixed feelings on this but luke in this movie now people say like luke catching lightsaber that's like oh it's a big like middle finger to the last jedi and mm -hmm. my my point with that uh, against that is well yes and no because by the end of the last jedi luke changes as a character so mm -hmm. to me his appearance, the way he appears in episode 9 is more of like a confirmation that what Ray was trying to tell him was the right thing and that he has changed the character, completion of his character arc from the last movie. At least that's the way I looked at that. I think for me, it just, you can't help but look at that moment and think it's not like a, like a, like a, like a dig a little bit. Like J.J. Abrams. It's a slight dig. Like J.J. Abrams kind of, yeah. kind of just going, <laughs> like people are going to like my movie more or something. Um, or whatever his thought process. It's just, it's just, it, 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 the way it's portrayed and the line and just even just catching the lightsaber itself, you know, it feels too much of the opposite of what happens in The Last Jedi for it not to, to ultimately just feel like a middle finger. So it's, it's mm -hmm. hard. Like, it's, it's like, it's good to, I think it's, I like that you have a more, um, optimistic viewpoint and make it work for you. As it sh as which is good, and I do agree that it does feel more like a completion a completion of a story arc. But it's just the way that they do it, and the way that it's and the way that it uh, it's performed. Not that he does a bad performance. It's just the way everything plays out makes it feel too much like it is a dig at that scene. Sure. So it's just it's hard to see it any other way, honestly. So I think for me, like that, that'll lead me. Okay. And also just last of the things that I was like, okay, two more things I liked. <laughs> That's fine. La uh, seeing Billy D seeing Billy D on screen again. Lando is one of my favorite star Wars characters uh -oh. in general. That was a great, was, um, I love him. It was great to see him. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm a, I'm a massive 89 Batman fan. And so, um, even though we, I never got to get my Billy D two face. When uh, he voices Two Face briefly in the Lego Batman movie, that was just like oh, someone, someone, someone knew I wanted this. Someone knew people were yeah. desiring Billy D. Two Face, which is part of the reason he got he wanted that role to begin with. He wanted to play Harvey Dent, right, with the idea that he would become a villain later on in the franchise, and unfortunately, that never happened. So it's nice that you know to to see Billy D. Come back to a to a character. Um, especially one as, as iconic as Lando and, you know, get to play him again. So it is cool to see him again. I also liked, um, now one of the, my favorite things in the, in last Jedi was like sort of force connection. Oh yeah. That, that was really cool. Uh, Ray and Ben have the fight scene that they do with that is excellent. And I think is probably my favorite like fight scene in that whole movie. And I think it was like a genuinely like, okay, they're continuing the ideas from the last movie, you know, to, or where it's like, 
like you were talking about how like one thing sort of feels like a middle finger. This one feels like a okay, that was a genuinely cool idea. Yeah. And I want to expand on that idea. That th- no, that it, it works very that well. That is genuinely a moment where they were like, This is this is clearly a cool idea. You know, and like the way that they do it, you can kind of feel like it's like they're planting the seeds of like a cool new force ability, maybe. I mean, I don't know if it was like mm. something established prior, but um the way that they do it with that fight scene, you could just tell that like you know, J.J. Abrams saw that and said, oh, how cool would it be if, like, Rey is in uh, the Star Destroyer, Kylo Ren's on the planet looking for her, and they have that, they, they do that Force connection thing, and, uh, you know, we just keep transitioning. Even just the way that they're panning the camera, and you see, like, Kylo Ren clearly still on the planet, but then you see, like, a part of the, like, uh, like uh, computer, like the, like the, like the dash of... Uh, you know, coming yes. into coming into the shot, and you're like, "That's just objectively cool," just the way that they did that. It's it's fantastic, um, and it and it it does work as far as like the uh, like the Ray Kylo Ren relationship in that regard. I think that's one of the better scenes that they have together, as far as that like, you know, the, their their chemistry and their you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I I agree. I I think that's another thing that needs to be mentioned too with all three of these movies. I think that I think I think both Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver are great performers, mm-hmm. but they also have very good chemistry in these. They really movies. do. Um, which you can't help but I gotta mention it. I'm sorry. This is too early to be mentioning this at this point because I <laughs> I knew it was gonna. I, 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 <laughs> I knew you were gonna get to well, this I mean, point. You know. Okay. So, Raylo. Right, that's one of those big fan things, mm. you know, the moment, especially I think The Last Jedi, the moment that there was that, maybe even before that, maybe The Force Awakens, I don't even remember, but it was one of those things that people were like, you know, the uh, the fans, like, shipping those two characters, like, oh, of course, Kylo Ren and Rey, they should totally, like, hook up, they should be, uh, they should be romantic, mm-hmm. and yet, like, to some degree, you can maybe see how that could blossom into a romance, but at least for me... I didn't necessarily see it so much as a as a, a romantic relationship, but definitely a strong bond between each other. Maybe like yeah. you know, because like that's just the thing. Like, there's so many movies that feel like forced relationships simply because they're like, oh, we need a romance in this. But like, it's but like, there's never mm-hmm. really any movies where you see like two characters, especially a man and a woman, in a film that just like have mm-hmm. a very strong connection that just doesn't happen to be romantic. And so, right. like, like it makes me think of like Pacific Rim. At the end of that movie, they don't kiss; they hug. They put their heads next to each other, and it's yeah. it's, it's not mm-hmm. romantic. It's just a very close bond between two people. That's kind of how I felt with Ray and Kylo, especially you know when they do like the hand thing when they when they touch fingers, and you're like, you know, that's the, that's the bond mm-hmm. right there. Um, but with this movie, <sighs> um, no, that's not that's not the case. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that uh, that NC. I, so you know, remember how we were talking about cats, and uh, I talked about how in cats when uh, James Corden just looks directly into the camera, says cats, and then I was just like, I hate this movie. Right when that happened, that's that's mm-hmm. exactly the same feeling I had when they kissed at the end of the movie. <laughs> All right, can, can I? I'll, I'll let me give my controversial oh, hot no. take. Which is not really a hot take. It's just controversial Star Wars. Oh no. Objectively, objectively, it's dumb. Okay, objectively, it's dumb. However, however, as an old curmudgeon at heart, 
who wants to see attractive people on screen. You know, there was like there was like so little romance in this whole trilogy. <laughs> and I'm not saying everything needs romance, but I'm like, I needed something. <laughs> I needed something to happen. And it was like, that happens, and then he vanishes. <laughs> Not just again, again. This is dumb. It's objectively dumb. But I'm like, man, I, I, I was just like, because like the other movies, they kind of like, like Ray's just like, let go of my hand. Which okay, great, strong, independent woman. I'm, I'm happy. Whatever. It didn't even need to be her. I just needed something to happen because there was like kisses that happen in these movies, and they're just they go nowhere. And the the clo- and the sad thing is like out of the two kisses that happen in this franchise, like with like Rose, Rose and Finn, and then. Ray and Kylo, it's like, Ray and Kylo is the only, is, out of those two, is the more justifiable one, oh, in my opinion, because of the strong bud. <laughs> Whereas Finn and Rose, it's just like, a kiss happens, and then guess what? She's not even a character in the next and movie! He, She's just there! Listen, <laughs> that's another issue, listen, that too. Just, I'm sorry. I'm just going listen, wild at this point. <laughs> listen, you calm down, sir. <laughs> I'm gonna spray no. you with water. <laughs> it's like, calm down! I do need water. Jeez! No, Joey! <laughs> Countdown. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! No, like okay, in that degree, maybe I can understand if your only options are two, admittedly just bad options. But even so, <laughs> admittedly so, I had a significantly more interesting time with with Rose and uh, Finn. But again. I just hated the whole Raylo thing to begin with, so maybe that's where that stems from. But it's just, it's so forced. And it's so, no pun intended. Maybe a slight pun intended. But it's just the whole, that's the whole problem. And I know, like, that's, again, it's not an entirely new thought, but that's the main issue with the movie is they clearly, clearly are afraid of the fans. <laughs> to the point where it's like, they're like they're like the dad from Willy Wonka. They're like, oh, you want this? I'm gonna give it to you. And then we're all just falling down the dang shaft in the garbage chute in the hopes that we don't incinerate. <laughs> Thank goodness we lived. It's like, oh, d- you, did you not? Did you not like the fact that our big bad was killed? Don't worry, he was just a henchman of the even bigger bad that. You See, look at this big green movies. tank. They're oh, all in there. Did you, did you like the lightning? That our big bad does well. Now we're gonna get uber duber lightning. <laughs> oh, did did you uh you know did you not like the fact that Ray was a nobody and had no sort of like connection or familial lineage to the, any of the prior Star Wars characters? Oh, don't worry, she's a Palpatine. Not only is she a Palpatine, but she adopts a new moniker, which is just which is just <laughs> even more. It's like it's like. It's like I'm gonna punch you with the with the with the forced kiss. Now I'm gonna punch you with this as well. <laughs> Can I get my other hot take oh, with this scene? <laughs> with, with, with that, okay. She should not have said Skywalker. She should have said Organa. She clearly <laughs> had a much better working relationship Even with the Leia. Fact that they give. I know Leia's a gives, Skywalker. She has <laughs> Leia's lightsaber. Like they they make it a point to like give her her lightsaber. Not just that, but when you think about it, like, Luke, okay, you thought, oh, it was going to be like the Yoda of the trilogy where he was going to train the new generation. No, he doesn't. He's a grumpy old, like, guy where we have to say, okay, Boomer. You know, <laughs> oh, okay, God, okay, Luke. <laughs> uh, yeah, I said it. I mean, Luke, Luke yeah, he's a uh, burned out uh, baby Boomer. Um, <laughs> and 
with 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 Leia, she was like, okay, we didn't see it like the whole movie, but like you got hints that they had a much better like relationship as master and apprentice. Yes, and that they were close even in Force Awakens, and they had some little little moments here and there in the Last Jedi. You know, I'm not saying that it was like the most developed like friendship in all of cinema no i'm just saying she had a much better time with her than the gosh darn old man on an island hanging out with like round owl seagulls <laughs> aka porgs aka i don't know why I'm, I, I don't know why i'm yelling for this segment it's just it get, you know why you get frustrated a little bit when we talk about the rise of skywalker i i do i do i i, I do but it, it's not it's not like it's not justified listen again if you like how the rise of skywalker plays out listen i remember um after the movie came out i saw it in theaters and i was i was in that moment of like i wasn't hating on the movie i was in that moment of like going i, I don't i don't know how to feel about this <laughs> like there's there's clearly moments that i genuinely hate in the movie but there's also so many times i'm just like uh, huh <laughs> it's just i huh and um, I remember uh, I was supposed to go see it again with some uh, some work friends, and I I opted not to go because I, I I I think ultimately I just didn't want to see it. I forget what I forget what my reasoning was. Um, I did end up hanging out with them afterwards, and we all sat around the table and we talked about it. And I I feel like I was probably one of the few that just didn't care for it that much. And as as time mm. has gone on, I've I've had more i've i've come more and more into how i feel about the movie and ultimately it's it's a massive disappointment it's you know not not to say that it doesn't do things right and it doesn't have some like again some it kind of feels more it feel it feels closest to how i felt watching the prequels than any of the other sequel movies have you know it like it's like force awakens feels a lot like um kind of a call to the empire era uh, the Last Jedi feels like something entirely different in a way, um, and the the Rise of Skywalker just feels it gives gives me that same feeling I had watching like Attack of the Clones. You know, objectively, aesthetically, there's a lot of really cool things. You know, I I I, I would always say that J.J. Abrams can can make a shot look cool, even if it has a lot of lens flares. He, yes, he, he can. can make a really cool looking shot. He has a lot of great character designs. Like I even love the like the cracked helmet that that kylo ren wears like i thought that was kind of cool but it's just a lot of choices and decisions and weird relationship stuff that i'm just like huh um but I, going off what you said like some things with that you liked in in this movie i think it just goes to the point where do we love all of these no. movies no i we mean don't i mean admittedly but, i if i had to say i probably only really love or really like four of them if I'm being if I'm being like brutally honest, it's like probably uh, four or five. Of them. Yeah, I think I, I love four of them, and I think maybe two or three of them are lowercase g good, and you know, and that's, that's fine. fine. Like again, but it's it just it's just like there's something to like in all of these movies, e even if like I don't really like Rise of Skywalker or Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones or whatever, there's still things in those movies I liked. Guess what? When I was re I was like, I didn't spend my whole time just rewatching all of the movies because I watched all of the Star Wars movies earlier on in um, mm -hmm. lockdown. But the one I act, one of the ones I actually watched the most of surprisingly enough was Attack of the Clones. I watched a lot of that because there's a lot of like fun shots and fun mm -hmm. sequences and some meme-worthy <laughs> moments, so it's like, you know, 
for different reasons, for better or worse, it's all Star Wars on some level. The point here is that, you know, at the end of the day, while not every one of the movies is worthwhile, it's still Star Wars. And it doesn't like you can you can ask any fan of Star Wars that, you know, yeah, they'll hate this entry or that entry or they'll somewhat enjoy this entry or that entry uh, in in the in the franchise. But at the end of the day, that doesn't mean that they're not Star Wars fans. In fact, I mean, they do. There's, there's some people that have done some really awful, awful stuff uh, amongst the Star Wars fan community, but uh, not to justify it. I'm not even going to finish that sentence because I don't want to justify some of the stuff they've done. It's terrible, but to, to the to the lesser degree people, the people that maybe just wrote a wrote a blog about how much they hated the Last Jedi, to some degree, it comes from a, a point mm-hmm. of love and care that they have for Star Wars. So they might have hated that movie, right? But they still love Star Wars. The other people are just terrible. Just terrible. <laughs> just, just nothing justifies the what they what they do. It, it's it's a rough thing because Star Wars, the like it, it's almost it's almost like with like sports oh, yeah. teams. It's a bloodbath with and stuff teams. like it's the the biggest the big the biggest critics yes. are are its fans. You know, and that's very true for Star Wars. You know, and again, it initially does come from that place of um of love i mean definitely there's definitely been some fans that have turned that love into negative things but there's also been some positive things like you know there are people who cosplay and they they -hmm. support their communities um and whatnot and star wars can do some genuinely uh powerful and beautiful things and and things make you just go like oh that was that was like even even just some of the um you know i I always like uh to see like whenever on youtube i get like a, a fan film in the feed and just to see, like, even some of, like, like big, mm-hmm. like, ones with budgets and, like, that actually, like, put the work. Like, there's some mm-hmm. genuinely great Star Wars fan films. And you can clearly tell these people have a passion mm-hmm. and, a, and a love for for Star Wars to, like, go that far to, like, you know, actually put the work into it and make it, like, as, as good, like, quality-wise and filmmaking-wise as some of the ones we see on the big screen. So like the the you know the the sure. the, the artistry like like you were saying cosplay like some of the there's some like iconic Star Wars cosplays uh, that I've seen at conventions you know um, I remember uh, going to like New York Comic Con well not New York Comic Con but like C two E two Chicago Comic Con and seeing uh, like you know mm-hmm. some really cool uh, rays and variations of Ray uh, seeing uh, some of uh, Kylo Ren, Kylo Ren being a big one, because I mean, who doesn't want to dress like Kylo Ren? He's just awesome looking <laughs> in general. At D twenty three, at D twenty three, I saw like a Darth Vader that looked more like a traditional. Oh, like, that's samurai. awesome. Um, and it was really, really cool. But ultimately, Star Wars. I mean, it, it love it or hate it, it, it's here to stay. Even with the bumps that we've seen mm-hmm. along along the road, I think Star Wars will always exist in some form, entertaining fans. Whether it's you know uh, the 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 groundbreaking effects in the original trilogy, whether it's the interesting like aesthetic designs of the worlds and some of the lore and lore building and all that with the prequels, or if it's you know some of the stuff that with this with the sequels and the Star Wars story, but. On that note, we've been talking for quite a while, and we want to give you guys 
a brief break from hearing us babble on Especially about Star we, Wars. We rant, we so we rant a little bit. Uh, yeah. we, we apologize. As George, to quote the great George Lucas, we may have gone a f- t- bit far in places. We're going to take a quick intermission. When we come back, we're going to talk about the expanded universe as well as TV shows, the future of Star Wars, Star Wars at Disney Parks, and much, much more. Stay tuned. Welcome back to a very special episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature, in which we are just, we're going all out with Star Wars. So the first half we talked all about the movies, now we're going to talk about everything else. Don't worry, it won't be the length of a Star Wars movie. There's a lot. Don't worry. <laughs> There's a lot of everything else. not. <laughs> I mean, it might be longer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's, it's like that scene in Paddington when he's like, oh, you know, I used to be a food critic. <laughs> it's not bad. It's worse. <laughs> anyway, Star Wars, right? As as we've, I'm sure we've said a million times, we'll probably say a million times more. Star Wars is so much more than just a series of movies. It's a, it's an institution. It's a, it's a movement. For some people, it's kind of a religion, weirdly enough. And, of course, uh, both pre- and post-Disney, uh, these comp- these uh, Lucasfilm and everybody are very aware of this, so they try to put out as much Star Wars everything as humanly possible. And when Disney bought Lucasfilm, everything went away, and now there's more things. There's, there's just so much. There's just so much Star Wars. There's comics, video games. In fact, um, you and I, we recently... Checked out one of the uh, the animated shows, one of the the Dave Filoni uh, animated shows. Yeah, we watched Clone Wars. This is true. We did that. <laughs> well, I mean, for you, you've you've seen it. What you've seen it like in its entirety once, right? And then you watched it like in installments. Yeah, because while I think Clone Wars is a good show, I don't want to watch every single episode because there's certainly while there are quite a few winners, there's also I hate to use this word, but there's quite a few losers as well. You can say stinkers, if you want. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> if you, you use whatever word you want. I don't know. Uh, there, there are ones that uh, are are not as good and are worth skipping. I'll, I'll say that much. There's a whole, there's a whole. Was it like three or four episode story arc where someone decided it was a good idea to have Jar Jar Binks and C-3PO team up? <laughs> that that was. I don't know whose idea that was. But I, I don't wish anyone to lose their job, but maybe some rep- like he needs to get punished for some, for something. 
Oy but uh, you know what, though? There are some great arcs on Clone Wars, just going into that. I love the uh, the arc that takes place on Umbara with uh, General Krell. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's all about the clones. It's probably my favorite arc. Honestly, that was my favorite thing about Clone Wars, was just the fact that... I mean, first off, I mean, I, I, I've said it before to you, I'm sure, but like... The fact that the show makes me not only care about everything that happens in the prequel movies, more or less, but also, like, it really builds the clones to be people to care about and be and interesting characters. It's And I even just love the idea that they that the Jedi instill individualism in them. So, like, while they all look the same, they're all very different people. And whenever a clone story arc takes place, it's typically the best one. Yeah, there's a lot. Like a lot of my favorite episodes are the ones relating to the 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 clone troopers, you know. But what also this show does very well is there's there's a line in A New Hope that always irked me because of the way the prequels handled this, where Obi Wan says he, like, he was a cunning warrior, great pilot, and he was a good friend. Well, Anakin ain't a good friend. He's like a whiny, <laughs> petulant child. In the prequels, he he is far as far from a good friend. It's like it's like what they say: Tatooine is the planet that's farthest from. He is the friend that is farthest from. And on Clone Wars, oh man, it's, it's like Obi Wan Kenobi just couldn't make any other friends, and so he just found one guy that talked to him. Like, okay, yeah, like M- Mace is kind of Mace is kind of a jerk. Yoda is an old man, and I'm sure Yoda like sleeps, goes to bed at like seven o'clock at night. Obi-Wan's got nothing. <laughs> and, then, and then, like, it, for him, Obi-Wan, Anakin's like, ugh. It's like Qui-Gon's like his dad figure. It's like, oh, I gotta take care of the little brother. <laughs> oh, man, he just went on a murder spree. Like, how many times have I told you not to kill younglings? I didn't think I would have to tell you so many times. But no, actually, like, the way they handle Anakin on this show is so good for the most part. I think they do an excellent job and it I'm able to believe that this man was once was not only worthy of Obi-Wan's praise but also would eventually become Darth Vader. And you got to give massive props to 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 Matt uh Lanter who plays who voices him. He he does an incredible job. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Really like like not only bringing like a, a more charming, more somewhat rugged but also like somewhat like youthful presence to Anakin that admittedly wasn't present in the movies. And I'm not blaming that entirely on Hayden Christensen. There's a lot of factors that came into play with that, but you can, you can tell that there was like a rage that was just kind of like pitted in his stomach. That just was like slowly rising through the clone wars. And so like you said, yeah, you just completely believe the moment he turns makes more sense now. Not to say that you need to watch Clone Wars in order to fully appreciate the prequels. Uh, the prequels... Well, actually, no, I'm gonna... Yeah, no, I, I, I recommend it, maybe, actually. Uh, but <laughs> it kind of fleshes things out a little bit better, yeah. sadly. Yeah, it, it does. And especially, too, there's another character that, to me, like, just because of this show, this character is has become one of my favorite Star Wars characters. That being Darth Maul. He is an incredible character. Wow. I mean, here's what I like about Darth Maul. He like 
people always, like I think people want like relatable villains, but at the same time they want their villains to be really strong and unbeatable and all this. But what I love, like about Darth Maul is that yeah, he's powerful, but he's kind of pitiful at the same time. <laughs> like he he's <laughs> and he's interesting. He's, he has this like his he has one agenda which is to get revenge on Obi-Wan Kenobi. He doesn't even care about the Sith. He doesn't even care about the Jedi. He just all he wants to do is kill Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like you took my legs, I'm killing you. You son of a gun. <laughs> but no, and I I love just the kind of like like the like quiet craziness to him. Like you can tell he's about to just burst every like any second. Like He'll just start talking like this, and then he'll he'll kind of quiver for a second as he goes on with a sentence. And it's like it's kind of like menacing, but also you're kind of like, calm down, dude. <laughs> Good God! Can we also appreciate that Darth Maul has a brother that's voiced by Mister Krabs? Yes, a hundred and ten percent. We can because I love Clancy Brown, and anytime <laughs> we can praise him, I'm welcome to that. <laughs> oh man and ahsoka ahsoka as far as like you know because we're talking about characters that are established but like ahsoka first premiered with this the mo- the movie and the yes. series clone wars you know and she's also a great character in her own right as well she's kind of the connective tissue as far as like all these expanded things go it's especially ones like da- like i feel like it's dave filoni's like i feel like his pride and joy is ahsoka tano She's she's in Clone Wars. She's in Rebels. She's going to be on Mandalorian. Um, I don't know if she's on Resistance. I don't. Did Dave Filoni have anything to do with Resistance? I'm going to be honest. I haven't watched Resistance. I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was a producer on some level, but I'm not sure. I didn't watch Resistance, so I can't say anything so about it. To the Resistance fans, we're sorry. We did not watch it. <laughs> My, our bad. Well, not really. I don't. I just didn't want to watch it, honestly. Uh, but but going off of Dave Filoni. For for a second, um, you you watched the entirety of Rebels. I did. I did that recently because after watching Clone Wars, uh, I was enticed to check. Well, honestly, I was. I've been enticed to watch Rebels for a long time because when when it was initially on TV, you watched it, and like you you watched, you were like following along with the show as it was airing. A little bit, a little bit. I, I watched season one when it came like fully when it came out on Blu-ray. Like, I watched it on demand at one point, and then I just, you know, I liked it, but then I, I watched the rest of it on Blu-ray. Then I watched, season two was where I was really, like, following mm-hmm. it. And season three, I kind of watched it here and there, you know. And not that it was bad, it was just, like, I was busy doing other things. Yeah, that, yeah, that happens to me sometimes. And then... But I did get to meet the uh, one of the voice actors on the show when I was at Comic-Con, uh, New York Comic-Con a couple years ago. I met uh, Steve Bloom who uh, voices Zeb on Clone Wars. Not Clone Wars, sorry, Rebels. And he also, if that name sounds familiar, he he also voices Spike Spiegel on uh, Cowboy Bebop and voices Wolverine in a bunch of the animated stuff and the video games. Like, honestly, if you've heard, like, Wolverine in recent memory, you've probably heard his voice. Very nice. I always, I've only, I've only... I don't really like meet a lot of people at conventions. Just going off that for a second, I get too nervous. I I, I met Robert Anglin once at a local convention, which was cool because I love Nightmare on Elm Street, and he was super nice. But um, other than that, like whenever I've went to any big convention, I'll just be like, "Oh my God, look, there's Bruce Tim smoking a cigarette." <laughs> like, is that Grant Morrison walking by? 
I don't. I think he's going to lunch. <laughs> like I'm just. I wonder what he likes on his sandwich. Like, he's a very. He's a very psych. He's a very psychedelical kind of kind of dude. I wonder. He probably just likes Swiss. I don't know. <laughs> but no, that's really cool though that you got to do that. Did you um? Did you get like an autograph or a picture or anything? I, I got a picture. I got a picture with him, and I got. A my my Blu-ray copy of Cowboy Bebop signed. Oh, beautiful! That's awesome. And he's and he wrote and he did a quote from uh, uh, Bebop. He wrote "Bang, nice." And uh, yeah, it, it was oh, real, it was really. Awesome. And I also met Phil Lamar that day, who was also on <laughs> Clone Wars as a couple characters. I mean, Phil Lamar is just amazing, and not and he, I mean, he's Samurai Jack. He's uh, John Stewart from Justice League. The guy's fantastic. Oh. D- Dude, he, and he's also just a really nice guy. He seems like and it. And I was, I was talking to him, I was talking to him, and I'm like, dude, I know this is going to sound weird. Like, of course I love you and Samurai Jack and all these other things, but one of my favorite things that you've ever done is on BoJack Horseman, where you're this otter judge, and you go, Sir, we live in a society of laws. <laughs> <laughs> he's laughing, he's like, I'm, I'm glad you remember. <laughs> or, or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Uh, I w- it makes me though wonder like how many people go up to him and say, "Listen, I love you at Samurai Jack. I love you in all those cartoons." But you know what my favorite role is when you got shot in the face in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> I wonder how many Pulp Fiction Blu-rays he's. Oh, uh, I bet so many. <laughs> like, I, can you can you decide <laughs> it? Then, oh God, I shot Marvin in the face. <laughs> oh man! Uh, but Rebels, Rebels. Rebels yes. I mean, I liked it from what I saw. Yeah, no, I I really liked it. Honestly, I was thinking about this too because, like I was saying, I I wanted to get it. I wanted to watch Rebels because I saw you were like, as I would see you post about it and say like how cool it's how cool it was or how much you were enjoying it with uh, some of our other friends and. So I was like, should I watch Clone Wars first? And so then it was like a whole thing. And then you watched Clone Wars. You influenced me a lot with some of these decisions. <laughs> <laughs> so I obviously ended up watching Clone Wars. And I was like, I got to watch Rebels now. I have to. And I, I ended up really liking it. And the thing was, too, because a lot of people say, well, it's lighter. It's, you know, because it's post-Disney. So it's a little bit more, um, it's more kid-friendly. And I can definitely see that. But I think it also kind of worked for me. Especially because, like, you look at mm-hmm. Clone Wars and you know where that's going. You know it's supposed to go to a very dark place. And so it, the show should get darker. Whereas with Rebels, it's it's obviously going to a very light place. So it should get a little bit lighter. And so I, I, it, I looked at it from that context and it, and it worked. And so I wasn't so much thinking about the fact that it was a Disney show and more so that it was just a, a more lighter Star Wars adventure. Right. And it also it also felt more a little bit more i don't want to say streamlined but a little bit more consistent because like with with uh clone wars there's so many characters to follow and they have so many story arcs focusing on so many characters whereas with rebels it focuses on the 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 ghost uh crew and so like every now and then you might get some kind of appearance or a character from uh clone wars or from the original trilogy show up and be a part of the arc but it's always about either ezra or kanan hera zeb sabine there's even a chopper episode where he tries to get a leg a new leg which was just adorable and i loved it chopper (laughs) is one of my favorite droids dude 
Dude, he's so funny. I just love that he's angry and like he's just like really sassy, and everyone's like, "What? What did you just say?" <laughs> but his arms coming out. Going off of that a little bit, that uh, one of my favorite things about this show are, are the is the art style, mm-hmm. and particularly some of the character designs. So specifically, Darth Vader. Now, I'm going to say a name that some Star Wars fans are probably aware of, and that's Ralph McQuarrie, who did a lot of the initial, pretty much all the initial concept art for um, the original Star Wars movies. And the Darth Vader on that show, while yes, it's still recognizably Darth Vader, looks more like his concept art from A New Hope. It does. And it, it looks really cool and really stylized. And one of the other cool things, too, is the character of Zeb, okay... He is, like, that character design is actually the original, like, Chewbacca design that he had he had done. And if I'm not mistaken, there's a line on Rebels where he says, I owe my life to them, or or, or something. Yeah, because, yeah, there's, there's a, I think there's a whole arc where he, like, has to help save these Wookiees. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the whole the whole uh, the whole crew's like trying to save the Wookiees or something, and then like there's like a baby Wookiee that like is kidnapped, and they have to fight uh, the Inquisitor. Right. I think I think it's in season one. Mm, yeah, I think it's season one. So, so that that is kind of a nifty thing. I like I did like that the whole because like I remember seeing somewhere that a lot of the characters are meant to kind of evoke those early concept designs, like even Chopper, like with the arms. Yes. You yes. Know, like that was originally what the Astromechs were supposed to look like. And so, and even the lightsabers, I believe, because the lightsabers originally were a lot thinner mm-hmm. in the in some of those concept art. Right. So, and I know, and admittedly, for me, like that that part is what threw me off a little bit because I was like, they're, they're, why are they so thin? And um, oddly enough, you watch the show, and while some of it while some of it throws you off, admittedly, it works. Like especially with the way some of the lightsabers are designed to have that more pinpoint kind of fencing blade a yeah. little bit. Yeah, exactly. So I, I kind of like that. And then just speaking on the, the animation itself, it is a, it is different, obviously, from Clone Wars. Mm. So you have, you know, with Clone Wars, it's more blocky, it's more defined and more sharp in, in points, whereas with Rebels, everything's more smoothed over. Yeah. And so it's perfectly fine, but then when, like, a character from Clone Wars shows up, it kind of, like, goes, you go, huh? Wait, that, they look a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but like, like the, I probably the one character, sadly, that I just thought looked didn't look that great in the in Rebels was Yoda. Yeah, I just thought his head was too big and his ears were too small. I don't know. It just I thought his was the worst. He look he looks real bad. Though if I'm not mistaken, did did they get um, what's his face to do Yoda for the for Rebels? Frank Oz. They got yeah. Frank Oz. Yeah. That, that's one of the that's one of the coolest things about uh about Rebels is that they get pretty much all the original voice actors or all the original uh actors to come back so like frank oz james Earl jones ian mcdermott billy plays, d uh, palpatine billy, billy, d. billy d sounding very young too i mean granted that sh- he shows up in the 2014 but still he sounds very young now he sounds he sounds good man anytime billy d can appear in something and get a paycheck i'm all for that a hundred percent i still need my billy d two-face in like real form I love Lego, but I need it in real form. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but going off of the TV shows, I think it'd be a good time because you mentioned the Dave Filoni shows, and 
Mandalorian we have to really talk about. Oh, I mean, uh, we, we can't we, we can't not mention Mandalorian, really. That's, that's, I mean, for me, that's the show that ignited my interest in even wanting to watch the other shows. Obviously, the show, you know, you show, showrunner, you know, uh, John Favreau, who, of course, Iron Man, Jungle Book 2016, Lion King 2019. Elf. 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 Elf, Elf is great. Uh, I love Elf. Did he do Zathura? The, the Juma, Juma, he did do. Jumanji in space. That was a neat, neat little movie. He did do Zathura. And Chef. Yeah, he did Chef, Swingers. I mean, listen, the list goes on and on. <laughs> the man works, and we like it. The The show is just eight. What I love about it, it's eight episodes, and they're not like our, like typically like you would think, oh, this was going to be an hour-long TV show. You were thinking, this could be the flagship show of Disney+. Plus. It's going to be like hour-long episodes. Let's go. But I remember, to my surprise, when I first wa- when I watched the first episode, at like three in the morning, I was like, wait a minute, this is only like 30 something minutes. And I was kind of happy about that. <laughs> it doesn't like take up too much of your time. And uh, like you said, like initially you're like, wait, why? What, hold on. How, what? This doesn't last that long. <laughs> and like you would think, cause like we're so used to the hour long show, especially like in streaming or just anywhere really. It's just, if it's a premium live action show, it's gotta be an hour but Mandalorian just said, "Nah, I'm gonna, I'm only gonna be like little over half an hour, and I'm and I'm gonna work better than most hour long shows. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you guys." <laughs> I mean, it did get the uh, Emmy nomination for uh, for best drama. It did. It 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 got it got like 15 nominations altogether, didn't it? It did get. I think yeah, it did get like 15 nominations. You know, a lot of those are That's like wild. technical things, which doesn't surprise me. But still, to get like to think think about it like this. This is the most significant award that a Star Wars movie has received since A New Hope was nominated for Best Picture back in the 70s. That's pretty wild, actually. I didn't even know Star Wars was nominated for Best Picture. Oh, yeah. It was, it was Best Picture, Best Director, and that's why I'm always like, oh, yeah, Annie Hall won, which is a funny movie, but I'm like, <laughs> I Star mean, Wars. <laughs> people people just like, could you imagine if Star Wars won and then Annie Hall became the, the, the Star Wars of our generation? <laughs> Maybe we'd have a, an Annie Hall cinematic universe and we'd be doing episodes about Annie like, Hall. Hopefully not. Dis- Disney bought the rights to Annie Hall <laughs> just to make more like spinoffs. Just the Diane Keaton uh, solo movie. <laughs> Diane Keaton, uh, uh, an Annie Hall story. But Man- Mandalorian, I, I, I think I've I've said this before, and I think other people have said this, so I don't know who attributed it to, but I feel like Mandalorian for a lot of people, especially people who maybe haven't been pleased with the Disney regime of Star Wars, is the Star Wars thing people have always wanted. It does a lot of what people want, including Dave Filoni, who you watch, you watch both Rebels and Clone Wars, the guy clearly has a thing for Mandalore and Mandalorians in general. Oh, for sure. Even the last four episodes of the seventh season were pretty much like folk like the first half was focused on Mandalore. It kind of feels like it was it was just a bound to happen that he was gonna have a show called The Mandalorian. Like it's almost like it's almost just fits perfectly. I mean, absolutely. And let, let's also just like the the genius the, the, the deliciously genius, like, corporate minds of Disney, okay? You have an interesting version of Boba Fett and a baby Yoda. Instant money. I mean, I have I have two Mandalorians in my room. 
I have two baby Yodas in my room. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I fed right into that, and I'm, I'm totally okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And, and, it's, and it's especially for me, because Yoda's my favorite character, so when you introduce an even more adorable version of that, I'm like, I want it! I need more! One of my favorite things about Mandalorian, though, is it's very difficult, I think, for something that is Star Wars to stand out on its own. You know, clearly this takes place in the Star Wars universe and uses characters and iconography and whatnot. But what I like about it is there's a few things that like really stand out. The music stands out quite a bit and the fact that this show has its own like iconic lines like this is the way or I have spoken. You know, there's some great the single lines of dialogue. I even just love the like his first line in the whole show is I'll bring you in warm or I'll bring you in cold. Just like, I just thought that was cool. You know? <laughs> it's just instantly, instantly stay, really uh, stays with you. But I like the, going back to the music, uh, was it the guy, the Black Panther, he did the score for Black Panther, right? The guy yes. who did the uh, music yeah. for this? It, it's a great, I mean, you definitely hear like, because he also did Creed, so you definitely hear like a Rocky <laughs> thing going, which I don't mind at all. I like to imagine Sylvester Stone's like, hey, you know, I got a bounty, uh, you know, I got to collect the money for Adrian. Hey, you got a puck I can use so I could go get this bounty. You got this puck? I should have broke your thumb. I should have broke your thumb. (laughs) (laughs) Just seeing Rocky just punch a guy through the door and and then it closes and cuts him in half. I'd be okay with that. Oh my god. You're, You're completely, completely right that it is very much a Star Wars show, but it does enough of its own... It feels enough of its own thing that it stands out so much. Even just the fact that, and I know they kind of tapped a little bit into this with Solo, but um, I love the fact that it feels like it feels kind of like more like a western. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. which is appropriate because obviously, you know, uh, samurai. You can kind of see that samurai movie influence in uh, in a lot of the other main Star Wars movies, and even in Mandalorian, you can see it. But also. Um, it's cool because, you know, obviously Westerns and Samurai movies have a history of influencing each other, being remade by each other. And so it's kind of cool to see the other side be kind of a heavy influence on the Mandalorian. Because he is like a man with no name kind of thing. We don't even know his name till the last episode or see his face. So he's just he's just that big, mysterious character, and it's awesome. And speaking of the Japanese influences, like the main stor- thrust of the story, which is basically this Mandalorian pre- protecting this, you know, baby Yoda is basically uh, Lone Wolf and Cub, which is a great, like, I guess, manga series. It was also a bunch of really fun, really violent, (laughs) but a lot of fun uh, samurai movies where this dude is just taking his son across the countryside in this... This baby cart is literally like the most dangerous. It's like a Swiss Army knife. <laughs> it of really a baby is. Cart. <laughs> I still remember just seeing like it just shoots blades out of the sides and like uh, just the little things uh, that happen in the in those movies. Like just the the like Wolverine claws that pop out of the sand that one time. Like oh my god! Like gosh. that's just that's just a nightmare. <laughs> like you're just walking somewhere, you see Wolverine claws popping out. You're like ah. <laughs> I don't want to walk here anymore. Mandalorian, it's one of those shows where I've, I mean, I've seen people say say negative things about it, but it's one of the more 
universally praise Star Wars things I've seen in a while, especially by the fan base, where they go, why didn't they just do this the whole time? Or, or things like right. of, of that nature. It's. I even think it's one of those shows that people who aren't necessarily into Star Wars have what like, like I, I people at work would would tell me all the time like they're not massively into Star Wars, but they loved the Mandalorian. Absolutely. Going off of Mandalorian, it seems like that the a lot of the future of Star Wars is on Disney Plus. You know, we had the last season of Clone Wars as a Disney Plus exclusive. We're going to get a show based on Cassian Andor, the Diego Luna character from Rogue One. We're going to get an Obi-Wan Disney Plus show. How do you feel about uh, the future of Star Wars being on Disney Plus, essentially? I mean, if the shows are any as good as Mandalorian or even the last season of Clone Wars, I'm perfectly fine with it. As I guess that's ultimately the thing you want is that you just want great content, which I hate, I hate saying content because it sounds so like youtubery you know like like here's here's star wars with their new youtube video as long as it's good that i'm fine but obviously there is there's that one little like kind of hipster factor about me and i'm sure most other people as well where like you have that fear that you know with all this new star wars material being released to streaming that they won't release it physically because like how cool would it be to have a mandalorian blu-ray but i mean as so far as we know that doesn't seem like disney plus has any interest maybe in releasing things physically so that kind of sucks like even though like like even though like i know star wars fans are very like physical media like pete like they're like that's the kind of stuff they're into but you could definitely tell disney is is more focused i feel like on just releasing things to streaming but that's just like one personal thing really it's kind of a selfish thing no i i definitely agree with that i think the challenge the challenge is is because physical media i mean as much as we hate to admit it it is on the decline as far as it, yeah, it is. raw sales are concerned. I mean, listen, I just got a the new Flash Gordon Blu-ray, and the, the it shows you, like, the quality of these releases can be amazing. You know, it, it was beautiful packaging and bonus features and all that, beautiful restoration. But, again, that's not an everybody thing. So, you know, it, it, it is a bummer. I'll agree with you. That's one of the things I liked with Stranger Things was that they actually put the first two seasons on blu-ray they did i mean granted it was through it was through target but i mean at least they have these like the cool like vhs packaging you know that and netflix does that mostly with television shows so like um i think like the stranger things i think all the oranges the new black seasons got released um uh bojack has the first two seasons bojack uh, on blue a house the haunting of hill house got a blu-ray which was really cool and it's a and it's a director's cut release which is awesome oh okay it took them a second to to do some of the marvel netflix shows because like like people like complained enough about it like where's my daredevil blu-ray and then they're like all right fine here you go so at least we have the first two seasons out on blu-ray for for that and a couple of the other shows mm-hmm. and then recently uh netflix released um a couple movies on blu-ray which is unpre like they normally don't do that as all at well at, at all either pardon me so, like, uh, Marriage Story and Irishman are getting Criterions. And Roma got a Criterion. Yeah. Roma already has one. I think Roma was the first one to get that. And I still got to pick that up on Blu-ray. That was a really great movie. Um, I don't know if you saw it. I mean, I need to, admittedly. <laughs> I have to see it. And I love It's rough. I love I'll, Alfonso I'll say Cuaron, that. It's so. a rough watch. Is it rough? It's a rough watch. 
yeah, but it, it's a great movie. The lead, the lead actress in it, she's very good, and I like the. Um, it's just a great, great movie. Uh, but Disney Plus, you know, that's great and all, but wouldn't it be really nice to actually like live a Star Wars experience, Richard? Don't you agree? I mean, given all the death and violence, I mean, if I can do it in a way that's safe and like I can like just walk around and look at things and maybe buy some things that you know. <laughs> maybe maybe if it, like a more theme park setting would be nice <laughs> what if i told you you actually did that last year when we could you know go out to places w- hold up hold up now what are you talking about i don't know what you're talking about at all folks we richard and i went to uh, disney world last year and we went to the opening day of star wars galaxy's edge the theme park expansion that opened in disneyland and Disney World, oh boy! I mean, you went to both. Actually, you went like you went to both of them like consecutively. You went to Disneyland, and then you like went straight to Disney World. Yeah, pretty much. Did you have like? Did, I did. Did you have? Did you? Did you have like a day in between just to like relax? I I came home, and then I slept most of that day, and then I left. <laughs> You're like, all right, I'm leaving again. See ya. No, that was that was kind of a spur of the moment thing too, because like I I I'd, I'd never been to Disney before, and let alone going to you know a Star Wars theme park, obviously, or a section of Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you asked me to go with you because you were going to Disney World after Disneyland, and you were gonna go, and your family was gonna be there, who were super nice, by the way, your uncle, your cousins. Um, your your aunt, everyone, everyone was super nice. So if they're listening, you guys are really cool. I I, I liked meeting you guys. So I obviously had to jump on that, and we went. And you know, if if any, if you're gonna go to Disney World, I highly recommend going with Joey if you get the opportunity. <laughs> like Brian from Idaho, if you want to go <laughs> to Disney World, call Joey <laughs> and go with him. <laughs> Oh, but Galaxy's Edge, this was announced, I think, I think at the 2015 D23 that they were going to do this and both coasts. So the the big thing though with, with Galaxy's Edge is that it n- doesn't take place on a Star Wars planet that's in the movies or the TV shows. It takes place on Batu, Batu. more specifically the Black Spire, Black Spire Outpost. Yes. It's, and you're wearing the hat. You're wearing your Black Spire Outpost I hat. Am. Yeah, I got this hat in the Disneyland one. I like I like hat. I like you know ballpark caps basically. You look good. And uh, this one was really nice because it. Uh, thank <laughs> you. What I like about a lot of the Galaxy's Edge merchandise is that you know you unless it like you look like in depth into like the tags on the insides of things or whatever. Th- nothing says like Star Wars Galaxy's Edge when you're inside Galaxy's Edge. It's like you're buying merchandise as if you're on the planet i mean that's the that's my favorite part about the whole park was just how much it's not so much that um it's it like you're in star wars like you like we were kind of leading into like it's you're you're there you're on the planet there's stormtroopers roaming around there's rebel uh or not rebel but resistance fighters running around roaming around doing missions with uh some of the uh park attendees uh kylo ren's roaming around um uh ray and chewbacca are hanging out by the millennium falcon the millennium a full-sized millennium falcon which is gorgeous the like the the detail and everything they put into that thing is outstanding and that like the, like i said the whole thing 
just makes you feel like you're in Star Wars. And the little details even just just add to it. Like there's on uh, the ground, there's like astromech R2-D2 tracks. There's blaster holes in the walls of the buildings and, and scorch marks in places. And uh, everything looks like lived in and, and dirty. And even the even the cast members, like when the when the, they all wear like very Star Wars like outfits, which I'm super jealous of. It makes me want to work in, in Batu, so I can so I can look like I work in Star Wars. And even their even their Disney name tag, like you can clearly tell it's a Disney name tag, but it's their name with like uh, Star Wars uh, alphabet lettering, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just a lot of fun, honestly. Yeah, it, it's really cool just walking around, appreciating the level of detail that the Imagineers did. I, I mean, they did build a full-size Millennium Falcon, and honestly, when I first saw it, I was just not prepared. Like, just to see, because it's this thing that you've always seen on your screen that they've built fragments of, or you've seen, like, CGI versions of, or you have, you've had a toy of the Millennium Falcon and all that, but, like, to see it... To see it there in person, and a lot of the the um, the Millennium Falcon queue, because you do get you could ride on the Millennium Falcon, it takes you around the Falcon, and you get to get a lot of angles of the ship, and they really focused on every single detail, just everything. Everything is outstanding with just the way that they did it. Uh, and speaking of that line. That was a brutal line. <laughs> just, just going off that for a second. I just remember because um, when we went to Galaxy's Edge, we rode the Smuggler's Run, which is the Millennium Falcon ride. We rode it twice. Uh, the first time we did single rider, and we got lucky that we uh, got to ride together. We were both engineers because engineers for life, y'all. <laughs> Hashtag engineers for life. <laughs> and so um, then your family showed up. And we were going to ride with them. And obviously, in that situation, it would it, it would have been a lot better that we had waited in the line, so we didn't get separated because it would have not as, not as not have been as fun, you know. Obviously, so uh, we waited in the line, mm-hmm. and we're walking to see where the line ends, and we're like, "Oh my god, how long is this line?" It goes literally all the way around the edge of the park, <laughs> and we're literally like right back at the entrance, and we're like, "Oh god, <laughs> oh no." <laughs> and it took it took so long and you and oh my god you were the smart one wearing the ball cap too because like i like i'm seeing your uncle and he's just sweating your your, your aunt's got her umbrella and like <laughs> I, I i wanted to kind of get under there but i don't know her i'd be like hey listen we don't know each other but i'm gonna like cramp in here with you yeah we waited like two and a half i think it was a two and a half hours i think to get to get pretty on pretty much yeah i feel that's what it feels like at least <laughs> at one point i know I, I remember when we first got to the park I remember looking at like they had like the ride times and they had it at like five hours oh, at one God. point during the day, <laughs> which does not surprise me at all. Because another thing about Galaxy's Edge, and this is like the slight bummer with Galaxy's Edge, there's only two rides. And when, when the area opened, there was only one ride yeah. that was open. Yeah, everything else you have to spend money for. So it's whether it be food, the lightsaber experience, which we'll get to in a second, or, you know, shopping. That's, that's literally all that they had available which i mean it does it, it, it at first it kind of diminished things a little bit because now you're just kind of roaming around trying to find things to do um and most of it was just like shopping but at the same time i mean at least at least the smugglers run was was a really cool ride because if it was a bad ride then the whole thing would have just been pointless like nah it's not worth it and the crazy thing about smugglers run is that in any other like area of a theme park 
that would be like the e-ticket attraction. That would be like the main thing. But the other attraction that they have there, which we did not get to do, because like I said, wasn't open yet and is very hard to get on, is the Rise of the Resistance attraction, which is such a technologically advanced attraction compared to just about anything else Disney has done, especially in the American parks. It's kind of wild. I mean, you were telling me about the way that they handled some of the stuff, like the way that the, the, the carts or like the, the, the little cars that you go into, or whatever you want to call them, um, the way that they did that was mm-hmm. different than most anything and which was really impressive. And the way that, you know, they incorporate both uh, like the, the characters, like the robotic, like the animatronic characters, as well as uh, kind of virtual characters. And like, even the way that they did holograms and stuff like it's, it's incredibly impressive from a technological standpoint, how they were able to achieve what they did. And there's full sized at ats inside of it, which is really cool too. Yeah, that that's really neat. One of the one of the things I, I thought was really cool. I mean, just watching the uh, the videos is, y- you know, you the uh, the scene where Kylo Ren is chasing after you, and his lightsaber goes through the ceiling, and you see it cut through the ceiling. That scared the crap out of me to see in the video. <laughs> like I was like, ah! <laughs> I'm not even in the ride. I'm like, oh god, he's gonna stab me. Well, you me. know, well, you know, Richard. All that is just um, award-winning actor Adam Driver just trying to chase after you. He wants to give you a hug. No, he's not. He's gonna treat me like he treats Scar- Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story. I seen that movie. <laughs> Henry is my child too. <laughs> Wait, what? I'm sorry, I got to. <laughs> so, so, Rise of the Resistance is instead changed to Rise of the Divorce. <laughs> Laura Dern is it is it Hall is it uh at was it uh what's her name Admiral Haldo or whatever yeah she's Holdo. she's just the lawyer <laughs> from Marriage Story uh, no and Ray Liotta like you know how there's like the Admiral Akbar looking guy it it, it just that's Ray Liotta <laughs> I'm totally okay with that she's like listen you're gonna get on this ride I don't I just, I just <laughs> I, that's terrible. I'm sorry. It's a terrible Ray Liotta. <gasps> it's been a common theme. Terrible, uh, <laughs> terrible impressions with me. I'm so sorry. But to avoid any further embarrassment, let's talk about your lightsaber experience. Oh yeah, Savez Workshop. I mean, we both we both uh, built lightsabers, but uh, you built you built yours in Disneyland. I did. Yep. And we both uh, we actually both picked the same uh, uh, build scheme. Which was a uh, was an elemental nature, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it, which is, it's a cool design because it's it's a lot more like like fantasy like. It's a lot more. It's got like wood features on it. It's. I mean, there's not actual wood, it, it, or else it would have been like a thousand dollar experience, I'm sure. But like, but I will say, I will say, like, it's two hundred dollars to build a lightsaber, but the experience is really cool, and it's a pretty heavy like thing when you hold that when you hold that hilt it's a big deal like it actually um like they built these like these specific lightsabers the way that they did very specific to uh galaxy's edge like you like if you want to get a savvy's workshop lightsaber there's no way you could get it without going to galaxy's edge and building one just i guess even Mm -hmm. the way that the blade is a little bit more loose which uh at first you kind of go why is why is it so loose but it turns out they did that intentionally to 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 make it uh put more of the weight in the hilt and not so much the blade if if you like try to swing it or anything. Mm-hmm. So like that like they, like they actually again they put the work in to make it 
look cool. And the whole experience, like you're saying, is really cool. We uh, we set up like a we scheduled a uh, uh, a virtual uh, line or whatever. We went in the virtual line or whatever. It, we scheduled. We, we, it was a, it was like. Yeah, we, we, it was like a reservation, like how you would do like a dining reservation yes. over there, you know. We uh, we waited. It was like later in the day, so we spent most of the day in Galaxy's Edge just checking everything out. And like uh, drinking blue and green milk, which it sounds gross, but it's surprisingly tasty, especially the blue one. I, I love the blue one a lot. I've had I've had both the, the, the frozen one, which is the one that you can get at the milk stand, and I also had the more uh the the more liquid variety at the uh cantina which yes they do have a cantina there we didn't get to do it in Disney World but I did it in uh Disneyland the drinks are pricey there but that's like anything in Disney my only thing was like as far as like food there wasn't much food you could really get like you know it, it, it I mean but I, I've heard that they've add, I thought I've heard they've added stuff but that's what I've you know, heard, I, yeah. I, I want to go back there I, I want to go back there someday but my favorite one of my favorite things to eat there was the Ronto wrap oh the Ronto wrap is really good and uh, I got it with a Tatooine sunshine which was a, a tea there I wanted to get a different drink but they, they ran out so I was like okay I'll just do the tat the Tatooine sunshine or whatever it was called and so that was actually really good, and I'm not a tea drinker, so I was really happy with that. Um, going back to the lightsaber thing, so yep. basically what happens is you make the reservation, you get there, and then uh, they hand you basically a menu. It's funny, too, the way you said like a reservation for a dining experience, because they hand you a menu, uh, and you look through it, and, and you basically go like, okay, there's the peace, there's the 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 like peace and justice one or whatever which is more like traditional lightsaber there's elemental nature which is more like a wood kind of fantasy style there's like power and control which is more of a sith style one which i know your girlfriend got because uh she is a sith lord and i i mean that in the highest compliment well actually <laughs> i don't know if she got i don't know if she got the um power and con i know she got the red crystal right okay. i don't think she got power and control like as the hilt Oh, okay. Um, but they give you though. To, on that note, when she asked for a red, when she got picked a red crystal, they gave her the, uh, like such a dirty look. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Allison, uh, <laughs> the only Sith Lord I'm comfortable dating. <laughs> what you, are you are you saying? Darth Maul's not interesting. I, I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's a. Darth great... Maul wasn't available. <laughs> I'm sure he's Darth great Maul. company. Okay. <laughs> he no no he's not. Because all he babbles on about is Obi Wan. I'm like oh if you talk about this Obi Wan so much why don't you go out with him? And he goes sure. And he leaves. <laughs> Fine I will. <laughs> You're not even interesting anymore. And he just he just walks out. <laughs> no Allison love you shout out big praise yes. Um, <laughs> so you get in there and pretty much everyone kind of swarms around this big, like, like oval, like table essentially, or like, like these kind of like little workshop areas. And, um, this guy comes out and gives this really good presentation talking about, you know, all these different things that you could do. And it's so cool. And all these different, uh, like stories about, the, the kyber crystals and and what and who who they are as characters within the star wars universe and they're like scavengers that find pieces so that people can build lightsabers and um uh they basically go around with this like big old mechanism that has kyber crystals in them you pick the color that you want i picked purple and then you picked what you picked um blue 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 yeah blue and 
they go through the presentation. They tell you what each color means and who uh, is famous for using the color. And uh, then once the presentation's done, someone comes up and helps you kind of like, f- like kind of figure out how to put it all together and what pieces you want to use. I know we both picked a Rancor tooth. Yes, we did. Because the Rancor tooth is is uh, it slaps, as the kids say. Rancor tooth slaps. It should totally post it on the uh, on the socials. By the way, your 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 saber hashtag Rancor tooth. Once everything's done, uh, they check and see if everything's uh, hunky dory. They stick the lightsaber into the side port, and uh, they say activate it. And then you just see this like beam of color shoot up next to you, and then this like thing goes like and opens it up, and you have your lightsaber. And then it's like and and the cool thing is too, they have music playing during this whole experience. So it really kind of gets you in the mood and really makes you feel like you're in in a Star Wars kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And then they hand you a carrying case, and then you go, how do I get this to my house? <laughs> 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 Which I shipped it. I, I, I had to do, and I, I had to do uh, ground shipping because, like I said, there was a hurricane. Which cut our whole trip short, unfortunately. So we need to we need to rectify that. Anyway, point being, if at any point you know a- after this nightmare is over, and if you you know can afford it, obviously, uh, Galaxy's Edge is a lot of fun. You know, a lot of fun to walk around and explore. Though I I will say I will say this much I I prefer the Disneyland version, if only because you know in Ho- I love Hollywood Studios, but. Disneyland Park is a way better park, so if you can't do anything <laughs> Star Wars that day, you at least have the rest of Disneyland. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, when we were in Hollywood Studios, it was just and part and it's partially my fault because I mean the big rides to do are like um like Tower of Terror, for example, which I hate heights and I'm not a big coaster guy. I try a few I tried a few coasters and I thought my head was gonna get chopped off in Space Mountain. Thank you for that. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Uh, I think I literally like clenched onto you. I was like, "Jai!" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So, um, so admittedly, like we're just trying to find things to do. We went to Toy Story Land, Toy Story Mania, and we had uh, the, a really interesting but kind of tasty breakfast. Um, we went to Muppet Vision, so we did we did things, but mostly it was just a matter of just waiting till we can get into Galaxy's Edge. And it's just, it, it wasn't a whole heck of a lot to do, unfortunately. But I could definitely see if it's in the middle of the park and the park, because like you've told me Disneyland is pretty much everything's in like one spot. Yeah, I mean, with Disneyland, it's it's great. I mean, as a resort, because I, if you're staying on property, like specifically Grand uh, the Grand Californian, you roll out of bed and everything is right at your fingertips. You don't have to take take any mode of transportation. You just walk. And I love walking anyway. So you can just walk and literally, like, one park will be on one side, the other park will be on the other side, and you walk through downtown to get to things. And it's it's really nice. That is really cool, actually. I'll have to go to Disneyland at some point. I, I, I've, I've been to Disney World now. I was actually supposed to go um, earlier this year with my sister, but unfortunately, uh, well, uh, you know, stuff happened. <laughs> you know... You know. So, but, if you're listening to this at a point yeah. where, if you're listening to this years from now and you don't know, ask your parents. <laughs> if you're like, wait, what is he talking about? What happened? Well, Jimmy. <laughs> uh, but with Galaxy's Edge, Galaxy's Edge is fun. But one of the main things, too, with, um, with Star Wars is the merchandise. And 
you know, there were movies before Star Wars that did merchandising and had products. Like, Planet of the Apes had a ton of, like, action figures and stuff from, like, Mego back in the day. Star Trek had merch. But Star Wars really did it on a huge scale. And this is the, the famous, infamous story. Star Wars, you know, it, it became a huge hit, but they didn't have toys in time for Christmas of 77. Oh, no. So, basically, you had to buy, you bought a card, basically... And it was a promise that you were going to get toys in a couple months. <laughs> oh, my God. That makes me think of... Um, what does it make me It makes me think of uh, Turbo Man. Because, uh, like, there's that whole scene when uh, they thought that this, ra- that the, that, uh, uh, this radio guy had uh, a Turbo Man doll, but he had a gift certificate so people could buy one when they're available eventually. And they're like, What?! <laughs> <laughs> are you kidding me we went through all that oh i didn't know that that's pretty crazy yeah it, it's um it's in- interesting i'll have to send you if i could find like a clip about it or something i'll have to Please send it to that was like the infamous story it was like kenner was like oh man we have this this toy license oh man we can't we can't do anything until <laughs> we can't do anything it's not going to be anything in time for christmas uh, actually, you know what? You could check that out on the the Netflix show, The Toys That Made Us. Oh, oh, yeah, they yeah, have yeah. Star, an episode about Star Wars, and that's a great episode. I mean, it just makes sense to do it because the Star Wars toys are a huge thing, and it's obviously become a recent big deal. Also, because some of the some of the Disney toys have not sold well, specifically of some of the newer characters. But that's a whole other conversation that I don't feel like going no, into. That's fine. We don't have to. But what are some of your like favorite like Star Wars collectibles outside of like the Galaxy's Edge stuff that you have? Well, what do I have? I have, um, I have. I'm starting to get some of the Black Series figures. I've had a few of them in the past, but uh, time had went on where I needed money, and so I'd have to sell them. <laughs> unfortunately, mm-hmm. so like I think I think I went out to because there's Force Friday, which if you guys don't Force Friday is it's basically Star Wars version of Black Friday, where like all this new stuff comes out and uh, it's like T-shirts. Um, action figures collectibles dolls all types of stuff in relation to whatever new star wars properties coming out and so had re- i i'd got i'd gone to a few of them i definitely went to the one for force awakens and i got a kylo ren but that kylo ren's gone now <laughs> unfortunately it's not it's not with me anymore but um this past force friday i was really excited this is probably my favorite collectible i have simply because of the story connected to it but when they released, because this past uh, year they did Triple Force Friday, because there was uh, Rise of Skywalker, Jedi Fallen Order, Mandalorian was all coming out, so they wanted to release stuff for all those three big releases. And they did uh, they did something new where they had these like store exclusive quote unquote carbonized figures. Mm-hmm. So like Target had uh, uh, carbonized Mandalorian, Amazon had a carbonized Sith Trooper. And I really, and admittedly, I really wanted the the mandali- the the mandalized what the carbonized Mandalorian figure. You got one, like right when uh, right because you didn't you go to Triple Force Friday last year? I did. I didn't get a I didn't get a uh, carbonized one. I just got a regular Mandalorian. I was at GameStop, and I didn't even know I didn't even think I was going to get it, be able to get anything. Mm-hmm. And I also collect I also collect Funko Pops, so I got like the. Uh, I got a bunch of like pops, and I got uh, the Mandalorian. So I got the Mandalorian Black Series figure, the Mandalorian, and the uh, I was it IG Eleven that's on uh, Mandalorian. Yeah, Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi. Uh, that's Funko Pops, and then I got uh, Kylo and Rey from um, uh, Rise of Skywalker because I also have them in the other two movies. So I figured 
keep it going. I'll keep it going. And plus, they're really they're pretty nice looking. They, you know, Funko Pops that they've been doing a really nice job with with some of their stuff. Honestly, I have a few of them. I don't have as many as you. Like I have, um, I have a uh, Baby Yoda, which uh, most like everybody else, I ordered right when they were available, and then they got released earlier this year in May. And then uh, I got. Uh, I think I have a Batman Beyond, like a like a like a like a like a Chrome Batman Beyond figure that came with the complete series set. So I think that's the only pop figures I actually have or kept. There's probably more. I just don't know where they are. Mm-hmm. But going off the uh, the Mandalorian thing, so like I said, uh, I I actually had the day off uh, the day uh, Triple Force Friday was going on, so I could have went out and got probably a carbonized Mandalorian if I wanted to, but. Unfortunately, I did not because I thought to myself very ignorantly, I was like, oh, people don't care about Star Wars anymore. I think people are done. I don't think anyone's going out. Uh, I was very wrong. <laughs> I was I was dead wrong. <laughs> and so and then I really wanted to start collecting action figures again and actually keep them this time. So I wanted to get some of the carbonized figures. And the funny thing was I've seen uh, the, the Night Sister in, or the uh, the Inquisitor character, or whatever from from Jedi Fallen Order, and I've seen the Walmart exclusive uh, Jet Trooper carbonized figures. I didn't buy them, um, so I could have gotten them if I wanted to do all the figures, but I did end up getting a Sith Trooper on Amazon, which was nice. Um, but the Mandalorian one took mm-hmm. a while. Like I, I I kept calling different targets. I kept checking the website. I kept I I kept constant track of this. I even remember I was going to my friend's wedding, like a small wedding it was having. Uh, where I was supposed to be the best man, and he lives in Maryland, so I'm driving with my mom all the way there, and I keep checking on my phone, like, is there targets nearby that have one? Are there targets nearby <laughs> that have one? And so, like, I'd be like, listen, do you think we could stop off here and, and maybe stop at a target real quick? I need to see something. So I was trying to, like, so I was trying to see if I could, like, find any. Um, some said that they had, like, limited quantities, but whenever I called them, they would say, well, I don't see any. So it was unfortunate. So and then obviously just going back to my own local target constantly to see if it's on the shelf. Eventually, I ended up seeing one, and it was like it, it, it was like basically when Charlie uh, found the golden ticket in Willy Wonka. <laughs> Instead of me ripping the paper off, it was me like peering around the corner and seeing the golden edge of the side of the Mandalorian box. And so I was like, <gasps> and so I ran over to it and I picked it up. I was so excited. Um, it's, it's not a perfect figure, especially cause like the, one of the corners is kind of pushed in and dented, but I don't care. I found one. I, I, I was so excited. I'm going to keep it forever. I'm not going to let my kids sell it. <laughs> if I ever have kids, don't sell this figure. You could sell everything else, <laughs> but don't sell this Mandalorian figure. So no, that was, I was really all about that. Um, so that was, it was a nice adventure that, uh, paid out in the end. Yeah. For, for me, unfortunately, not only do I collect pops, I also collect, uh, hot toy figures. Oh man. Yeah. And that's a, that's a very expensive hobby. So <laughs> looking at the ones I have, I'm very pleased with the ones I have. Like I, the first one I got was Obi-Wan from A New Hope and he looks beautiful. And then I got Vader because I, I, I have to have him face off yeah, against I mean, Vader. Yeah. You know. Now I am. And the I have two Lukes. You, yeah, you you do. You have don't you have Last Jedi where he has long hair, and then the Last Jedi where he has the short hair, like the projection. I have the Force Awakens. Oh, Luke, um, where 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 you first see him because that's he doesn't have anything. So I gave him like 
I think I gave him like Ray's uh, spare lightsaber hilt that she had. So I have him holding uh, that, that 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 iconic lightsaber with his robo hand. And then I also have one of my favorite hot toys I have is the Last Jedi one when he has like the final showdown with Kylo. And I have that. I'm literally looking at it right now, and it, it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful hot toys. They, they make some great figures, but they're very, very expensive. I'm looking forward to, however, I'm really looking forward to the the, the Mandalorian ones that they're coming out with. I saw I I saw on Sideshow um, the one that comes with a Baby Yoda in the basket, which is like what 315 bucks, but you can do like installments of like 56 bucks a month to pay for it or something. Yeah, they, they do that with a lot of the and hot toy stuff it's so, it's so expensive. expensive but it's so tempting because i don't have a hot toy and i'm like i don't have a space for a hot toy though honestly that's probably part of the reason i don't buy one besides the price hot toys are like the things that determine how much space <laughs> i have in my man cave like if something needs to get get booted out for a hot toy i'm like yeah you're out hot toys mandalorian you know it's um i, I i'm excited because i'm um i ordered the one with uh with the baby yoda and uh, the heavy infantry. Did you get the one in the basket? Yeah, I got the deluxe one. We are obsessed with with getting the merchandise, you know. Um, and what, what's what's what I like about the hot toys too is that sometimes like just getting like the regular figures, like sometimes they can be really nice, but sometimes they can be to me like cheap looking, and I want something to look like the movies and just something that can like it's almost like a posable statue, right? I guess so that's why I really like the hot toys. I need to get one. Along with the hot toys, the one thing I'm really starting to get into is the comics, because you know obviously Marvel. Oh yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. Disney owns Marvel Comics. I mean, Star Wars was at Marvel well before Disney owned them, and you know so they released some comics. Then they went over to Dark Horse for a long time, and now they're back at Marvel. And pretty much, and one of the cool things is pretty much everything in those comics, more or less, is canon. It's it's kind of a cool idea. I mean, it, it, it's not necessary to read everything, but it's just a cool like little additive to like to like just go on some new adventures with uh some of your favorite characters which is always cool like the main star wars title is really cool because uh the storyline takes place right after a new hope so you actually see um how the empire reacts to getting the death star blown up and like and like darth vader goes on the hunt for uh the pilot that blew up his ship and then uh through i think through like a bounty hunter or something he finds out that it was a, a kid named skywalker and he just goes Huh. <laughs> you know, like he, at that point, he's just like, "Oh my!" I remember reading that because I I did read so I I do have some of the paperback, um, you know, from the tri- you know, but it, and I I remember really liking what I was reading of uh the that stuff. I, I mean, I haven't read past Jason Aaron's run on the main Star Wars title, but if you get a chance, I highly recommend it. It's so fun, and I think it helps build up a lot of like similar to Clone Wars. It helps build up a lot of stuff. That happens in the main uh, like trilogy, the original trilogy. Not that it needs it, but it but it's nice to like see how, see how things uh, transpire that way. Right. And there's tons of and there's tons of like original characters. Like Doctor Afra is like an archaeologist that uh, was working with Darth Vader. She gets her own comic series, which I hear is really really good. I haven't read it, but I really want to read it. And there's also uh, they also have a tie-in comic to Kanan from from Rebels uh, that Greg Wiseman himself wrote which is really cool and i just finished reading that from what i've heard though as far as like the the general consensus the best one is the darth vader book yeah i've read a bit of darth vader did you read vader down no but i i want to 
I heard it. I heard it's amazing. I really liked uh, Vader down. I gave, I gave, I think I gave a lot of my books to Allison, but if I, I might, I might try to pick them up again because I remember really liking that stuff. The one I read was by Charles Soule and uh, Giuseppe Camincoli, I believe is, uh, I believe is his name, and it takes it's uh, the whole story is essentially after Anakin becomes Darth Vader, so you kind of it's kind of like a Darth Vader year one. And so you kind of see how he gets his lightsaber, and you kind of see how he becomes essentially like a force of nature. And it really just shows the intensity and the brutality and the fierceness, and just the fact that like Darth Vader himself is not necessarily a person anymore. He is just a evil, living, dark side force of nature, and it's and it's menacing, but it's also kind. Of, he's like Terminator. If Terminator was not. Arnold Schwarzenegger. I even liked how he got his lightsaber in that um, he, in order for him to get the red uh, kyber crystal, he had to kill another Jedi, take his kyber crystal, and then corrupt it and make it bleed so that when it when he used it, it turned red. Mm. And it, what's cool is when he when he re because like he had to rebuild the lightsaber because the one he was using got destroyed. And when he did it, it basically looks a lot like how his lightsaber did when he was a Jedi. Because if you ever look at the 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 Skywalker lightsaber and the Darth Vader lightsaber they more or less mirror each other in a way yeah and so I thought that was kind of a cool explanation as to why his lightsaber looks the way it does it's a really cool book and I'm getting volume two uh, here pretty soon so I'm excited to continue that don't you have the Han Solo book I do I've been I, I've read a little bit of it I've been meaning to read it I just haven't had time do you like what you read yeah I liked what I read it was fun I also have a trade paperback of the of the lando book and i read a bit of that and i want to get back to reading that as well because as you know lando is one of my favorite star wars characters you yourself are a gambler a scoundrel but you're also smooth and uh i mean well listen listen sex appeal when you wear capes a lot (laughs) listen i'm a gambler because i use lando constantly in battlefront 2 who is arguably one of the weakest heroes <laughs> I mean, but you're so good at it. You're so I like you're really you know what you he might be the the one of the worst characters, but you work it well. <laughs> you wear it well. You do a good job. That was the first hero that I like fully upgraded in uh, Battlefront Two. Which speaking of, that's been occupying a lot of our time as of late is uh, Star Wars Battlefront Two. Oh my goodness! I I was just like get like earlier like later la- well later last year technically. Not technically, actually. Um, I was just wanting to play the game again. And especially because at that point they had like fixed everything. Because when it came out initially, like it was like, there was just, it was, it was not, don't, don't do it. Don't play, don't, don't play that version of it. And so they fixed everything, um, both technical and also just like removing things that fans hated about the game. Given our current situation, I was like, Joey, you should, you gotta, you gotta play this game. It'd be so much fun. It'd be something we could do together. And eventually you did it. And pretty much for that, especially the first like couple of weeks that we uh, that we were in quarantine, all we did was play Battlefront. Yeah, I mean it was like the arguably like the best twenty bucks I've ever spent because I got I've gotten so much like use out of just playing Battlefront. And I still play. I actually just finished all of the arcade challenges on all of the difficulties, so now I have the uh Hans I have the Han Solo smuggler skin now where it's basically his look from a new hope and he has a beard. Listen, bearded Han Solo is just as amazing as non-bearded Han Solo. 
So it's it's worth it. Yeah, I I sent it to Alice, the picture of Allison, and she just laughed. And I'm like, listen, listen, it took me a lot of hard work to get this skin. <laughs> <laughs> you you don't understand the bad hours. No, everything I, I, put, it, I put my heart and soul Iden, into this mission. I had to play as Iden Versio in 40 seconds. I had to kill 40 gosh darn rebels in this video game. <laughs> you do you just don't understand? Oh my gosh. It admittedly is so much fun to play the game, especially when you're playing it with friends. Um, we play a lot of the co-op missions, so we do, like, you can play all the different eras. We like to play as the clones a lot, especially since we were kind of in the Clone Wars mode, so we get to play as uh, the Clone Boys. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, shout, out to, uh, shout out to your brother's character, Clonathan, which is awesome. Oh yes, Clonathan. <laughs> Clonathan is uh, iconic in our world. But also just, like, just, again, just playing as all the heroes... The one I play, the two I pl- I've been playing a lot as is Yoda and Han Solo. It's just, it's, it's, it's great. Yeah, I, like I said before, I play as Lando, and then my other, like, highest hero is Chewbacca. Yeah, it's, and it's fun too, because, um, if I play as Han Solo, if you play as either one of those characters, it's like, we're a team. We're the two dudes. <laughs> it doesn't, like, obviously, you know, you, you play it enough, you might get tired, but, like, we're, we just have a, a great time, just... I don't think I don't think I I only get tired playing it when I'm actually tired. I think honestly at this point. Yeah, I've been um, you know, it was fun. I mean, when we played with Gifford and and Mike and my my cousin, we play, you know, it, it was a lot of fun with all those all those people. It is a lot of fun. And speaking of the video games, the other big one, I don't know, I don't I don't remember if you told me you played this or not, but Jedi Fallen Order. I've played it, but I still need to finish it. It's probably one of the best Star Wars games I've ever played. And as far as like modern release Star Wars games, it's a lot like from software Dark Souls type games. Um, but the combat system is great and it has a really cool story. It's kind of similar to Rebels in a way as far as the narrative in that it's telling the story of uh, a Jedi who was a Padawan during Order 66 and was able to escape and then kind of tried to live another life. Right. Similar to Kanan. It's kind of a Kanan type, type narrative. Yeah. But it really, but it also has a lot of um, uncharted uh, DNA in it. So, like, you do a lot of exploring. Yeah, I, I really liked that one uh, a lot. You know, I'm just glad I'm able to enjoy Star Wars games again. Because I'll never forget when I first, when I picked up the first EA Battlefront. I was so excited because I was a huge fan of the earlier Battlefront games, you know. And then I played, like, probably five, ten minutes of it, and I'm like, I hate this, and I gave it back to GameStop. <laughs> like, what? Why, why am I wasting my time with this? Goodbye. I think I use that as, like, trade-in credit to get my Disney Infinity stuff. A way better investment, honestly, because I, I love Disney Infinity, <laughs> and Disney Infinity is a way better Star Wars game than, uh, uh, <laughs> than the first Battlefront. I still remember I I missed is the Disney Infinity and I and I started picking it up right when the Star Wars stuff was coming out. So like I got all the different characters like Kylo Ren and Rey and and all the Empire characters. The only characters I didn't get were the Rebel characters because at the time I didn't know anything about them. Yeah, and the interesting thing with the Rebels characters was that initially they were store exclusives. So Kanan was Walmart, Ezra was Toys R Us, Zeb was GameStop, and Sabine. Oh gosh, I, I forget. No. One of them, one of them might have been Best Buy. I'm not sure. I forget where I got Sabine. Sabine might have been Best Buy. I, I, I'm not 100 percent sure on that. But basically, they were all like store exclusives for a while. They were just like, listen, we hate to say this, but we're gonna be discontinuing Disney Infinity. And then everyone, like, and when I mean everyone, I just mean you and me. 
were like, no! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Why? It was a real bummer. Um, So, Star Wars. Okay. Um, One of the things I want to talk about is the Star Wars holiday special, (laughs) which it's crazy to think about that, like, when Star Wars came out, and then, like, a year later, the only other piece of Star Wars media, effectively, was this. <laughs> have you ever watched uh, the holiday special? I actually have not. I have not seen it. I know I, I've, had, I've had people send me links to, like, uh, YouTube videos. I've seen um, some, like, people have, like, VHS copies of it somehow, or, like, they, like, burned it onto a VHS or something. Um, but I, I just... I watch it, I'm sure, eventually... Because just out of curiosity, but, uh, <laughs> you know what, I'm going to have you talk about this, because, like, I just, I don't, I have nothing, I, I'm just like, I've never seen it. It is, it, it has to be seen to be believed, okay, <laughs> and it's way better than Cats, uh, just to, I don't know why I use Cats as, like, the benchmark, but I, I enjoy it more than Cats on this show, as you know. But it's crazy that they got the original cast to come on. They're not in it the whole thing, but like they got the original Star Wars cast on this on in on this thing. They used footage like like I guess like stuff that they didn't use in the movies as far as like some ship shots. They have B Arthur running a cantina. The best <laughs> scene in the whole thing is this weird trippy animation sequence where you you see Boba Fett riding on this dinosaur thing and stuff and listen listen the craziest thing is like even though george lucas has said he he, if he could he would take every copy of the holiday special and smash it with a sledgehammer (laughs) they still make merchandise of the holiday special because there was a hot toy that i'm kicking myself for not ordering that is boba fett but like the holiday special colorings of him but luckily i have a funko pop that is of like the holiday special look they even referenced the holiday special on the Mandalorian, you, don't they? Um, if when you when you get that original uh, complete series Star Wars box set that has the prequels and uh, the original trilogy in it, isn't one of the last pictures of uh, Boba Fett riding like some kind of like dinosaur creature? Yeah, he's riding the 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 parrot lizard thing that Obi Wan rode in Revenge of the Sith, but it still makes me think of the holiday special. Yeah, like <laughs> I like because like I remember seeing that image and going, when does this happen? Like I'm so confused, and then and now that you say that, I'm like, oh my god, now I know. <laughs> yeah, now now you know, and that's literally like, I'm sure he's gonna be really cool in Mandalorian, but it's literally like out like he's not he hasn't been that cool in the movies. It's literally the coolest Boba Fett has ever been <laughs> is in the holiday special, <laughs> and isn't that the first time we see him? That's the first time because in A New Hope, um, they they sort of add him into the special edition version. So I think technically this was. I think this was the first time we saw Boba Fett. Was the holiday special? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. This character that people like fell in love with, even though he doesn't really do anything but stand there <laughs> with him looking menacing. Even better, we're getting the Star War, the Lego Star Wars holiday special later this year, this November. Oh which boy, is that probably not going to be? It's not going to be very much like the holiday special of old. But I, 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 I want to see it. I'm excited. You know what? I, I'm excited too, admittedly. I, I, I now see after doing this, I'm probably gonna end up watching the holiday special after this just to see it. Just be like, that, yep, that, yeah, okay, there it is, <laughs> dude. What the craziest thing about the holiday special is a lot of it centers on Chewbacca's family, not even Chewbacca, it's Chewbacca's family, <laughs> and they don't get subtitles. It's like that TV show Shogun with Toshiro Mifune, where like a lot of the characters are speaking Japanese, but you don't know what they're saying. <laughs> 
um, and it, it makes you feel like an outsider. This is like literally that, but with Wookies. Oh my god, and it's wild. There's like, it's just like, it, it's it's the it's a such a crazy experience, dude. And, and that's why my my, re, my review of it is, is like on Letterbox. I think I I reference like B Arthur's Cantina or something like that. Oh my god! Okay, I'm like, man. <laughs> now now I have to watch it. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I need to experience. We we gotta we gotta watch it together. We, yes, you know I, I was part of a movie club. I was one of the founding members, so we did unconventional Christmas movies as a theme for one week. Oh boy, we showed Die Hard and the Star Wars Holiday Special. <laughs> I clap for that. As beautiful, and people were just so confused. And because the only copies of the Holiday Special are like taped versions, effectively. <laughs> So there was still like commercials and, and and stuff on it that I had to fast forward through. Oh man! And it was wild because there was like a there's this one huge Star Wars fan I'll never forget, and like he had never seen the holiday special, and he just threw paper at the screen. He was just so mad. <laughs> oh my god, that's I I that's hysterical. I I wish I wish I'd seen that. Was it? Did he like crumble it up and just go boo? I hate this. He was so. Mad and and I, I think a lot of people were just so confused. <laughs> it might might not have been the best decision on my part, but it's one of those things where I go, man, YOLO. <laughs> you only live once, y'all. So play that Star Wars holiday special when you get the chance. But I, I think I think what we could say is that Star Wars as a brand, you know, encompasses a lot of things, not just movies. You got comic books, you got video games, you got B. Arthur's cantinas, you got very expensive toys, you got all sorts of things. It, and, and the thing is, it means something different to, to all of us. You know, we all we all love Star Wars, or at least the ones that do. I mean, I'm saying everybody loves Star Wars. There's people that genuinely hate Star Wars, and that's fine. But to the people that love Star Wars, they, they have a deep love for it. Sometimes, sometimes it gets a little scary. Sometimes it generates some some pretty bad things that have happened, especially like some of the actors we've heard stories, unfortunately of people rioting because they didn't like a particular character and, you know, it just kind of spewing hate towards like, uh, some of the actors like, um, what's that? Kelly Marie Tran is a, is a one that mm -hmm. recent was a recent one. And that was a very unfortunate, um, incredibly unfortunate, disgusting situation that happened to her not even just the, the like in the prequels you also had ahmed best and jake lloyd i jake think lloyd, i mentioned this yeah. in part one but like like it, it's really sad but I'm, I'm glad that it seems like ahmed best has bounced bounced back a little bit yeah i know he's, he didn't he do that uh that star wars game show i think so he did yeah you know which good for him it seems like he's doing better that is nice honestly the last thing you want is to is to have something like star wars ruin your life or to have anything ruin your life really so it is nice to hear that he is it seems like he's doing better and i hope he is in a more in a more positive light you know when you look at some of the more brighter sides of the star wars fandom you know people people go hard people go into it like the cosplayers like i still love some of the best cosplays at conventions are Star Wars cosplays. You see, like, uh, all these different versions of Darth Vader, Boba Fett. I remember one year I saw, like, Darth Vader and uh, Boba Fett or in, like, these, like, pimp outfits. <laughs> like, they had, like, like the pimp hat and everything and, like, gold chains and, like, these big old, like, fur coats, which was fun. And so you just see the amount of passion and the amount of um, dedication and, and time that people put into Star Wars and everything. 
that uh, that they love about it. Um, even going so far as to continuing to own a VHS taped copy of the Heart of the Star Wars Holiday Special, which I'm like that that is dedication, <laughs> and you clearly love Star Wars, and that's awesome. Um, but my question I want to ask to you, dude number two, is uh, what would you say? I know this might be a broad question, but what would you say Star Wars kind of means to you, or what do you what does Star Wars make you feel? You know, I, I've been a lifelong star wars fan to me it, it, it represents family you know as, as the, for the infamous <laughs> quote where they say it's all about family it's all about family. but no sir you know because I, I a lot of these movies i went, went to see them with like my family members i think about you know my dad was a huge star wars fan you know um and just kind of think about like I, I was thinking about it like when i saw the force awakens you know my little cousin had never seen a Star Wars movie in the theater up b- before that point. You know, I, I had grown up seeing the prequels. And then his dad, of course, saw the original trilogy mm. back when they were new movies. And so it was kind of like crazy to think like, cause I'm over like a deck, a decade o- older than my cousin. So it's like thinking about like all the generations that have liked Star Wars. So to me, it's like, it's about family. I think excitement is another thing. Just when I put on the Star Wars music, man, I am so pumped like the end credits of a new hope is really just my jam when i'm just walking <laughs> around the house and i just feel so so gosh darn motivated and it's also just escapism you know we talk about escapism a lot on this program and i know you're a fan huge fan of escapism. i think <laughs> i like getting away even with the bat even with the star wars movie even with the star wars thing that aren't so good you know it, t- it takes me out of reality for a little bit and, and i'm able to have a good time you know so that's what star wars is to me that's that's a really good answer for me, um, it's it's I guess I would say for me it's more about any like the the idea that anybody can do great things and be good people. You know, like mm-hmm. th- this idea that no matter what lineage, no matter what your lineage is, or if your dad's evil, if you see something wrong and you think you can't do anything about it simply because you're a lowly farm boy who just wants to get some power converters, or a lowly smuggler or not smuggler scavenger who just wants to get some food uh, that she can eat while she's wearing her uh, cute uh, little uh, starfighter helmet. Um, at the end of the day, you see something wrong. Uh, instead of holding back, you uh, reach out. You try to you try to change things for the better. And, you know, because there's a lot of evil, there's a lot of darkness in the world. And if you can do one thing to change it for the better, to make it make it a good place, then why not go for it? And I mean, maybe that's maybe that's looking too deep in it. Maybe that's too uh, cliched of an answer, but that's why that's how I've always kind of looked at Star Wars: is that anybody can do anything great, and then everybody, for the most part, matters. Even because, like, even the Sith, like you know, one of the big things is like even bad people get a redemption arc. You know, Vader, mm-hmm. the the greatest villain. In all of Star Wars, his whole thing is that you know he has this uh, he 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 loses himself through manipulation and uh, essentially being groomed by Palpatine to be this like force of nature, this evil, sinister force of nature. And so when you get to that last scene with him and Luke, where he kind of like shifts and sees that what he's doing is wrong, it's like it's nice. It's like a nice like you know. So, like, that's, that's I guess, if I had to say, that's what Star Wars probably means to me. I like that answer. Folks, what does Star Wars mean to you? 
Brian, I definitely want to know your thoughts on this. So please tell us, Brian. You know, check us out on our social media, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You know, let us know your thoughts on Star Wars as a whole. What are your favorite Star Wars things? Yada, yada, yada. Give us all the deets. Anyway, folks, that's all we have. And may the Force be with you. Have a good night, everyone. Obi-Wan Kenobi letting you know that yes, you did enjoy an episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Yes, you will follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Of course you enjoyed John and Kenny Armstrong's music. And you will listen to next week's episode all about Martians and invasions. Yes. Yes, you did all of that.